When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> yeah, right? We're back in the studio. Hey, Tui, we're back with a bang, baby. Yeah, Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Six days shy, by the way of Charlo versus Canelo, or maybe nine days, depending on the math. But hey, you know what you're tuning in here for right here, right now, the best damn combat sports show that they got around today. We got the hardware to prove it, the world championships, the trophies. This is Morning Combat. Welcome on in. My name is Brian Campbell, the BBC with that BDC, right, who uh, may not always be there when you call, but good Lord, is this professional always on time? You know what I'm saying? And like Kelly and Nelly, we do have a little bit of a dilemma here. Luke Thomas delayed, not by his own fault or choosing, obviously, by the uh, the mercy of travel and the uh, public transit system and the connection between Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, and uh, the disease capital of the world known as Newark Penn Station. Per Luke, by the way, don't quote me on that one. But uh, Luke should be here shortly. That's the good news. We do have a heck of a hump day show for you on this busy fight week from the standpoint of looking to head to the weekend to come ufc fight night bellator's back with a big one here and also checking out those latest headlines dana white going uh public tuesday night post dana white contender series with his typical press conference with which did wield some interesting things to think about for the future especially in that women's 125 pound division but why don't i get through some of the business matters before my award-winning co-host does arrive in this partnership, right? Which is like part Mike and the Mad Dog, part Jekyll and Hyde, right? Part Lyle and Eric. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I, or actually, no, no. We we actually are at each other's throats. So that's the difference right there. Maybe more like OJ and Ronald, but I, that's probably a little bit too crass, even thirty years into this joke. But I'll take it anyway. Uh, Showtime, of course, the label that pays us. You can get thirty days free right now. Right? You want to watch Bellator this weekend? Why wouldn't you? Go to Showtime.com. You know, there's plenty of sand in the desert to pound at the end of this relationship. But uh, let's keep it consensual. Let's keep it on Showtime. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a great tagline, right? Yeah, all right. Well, I already started spillage on aisle. Uh, on a, yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was uh, collaborations, right? You know what I'm saying? Like like Stevie Nicks and Don Henley on Leather and Lace. That was a heck of a collab. I wonder what the uh, the outtakes afterwards look like. You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I mean? You know, apparently I'm alone in this creepy discussion. All right. I'm talking about the Morning Combat merch collaboration with Average Joe Art, California's finest humanitarian and uh, animal preservationist. He's also a heck of a graphic artist and designer. And if you go to morningcombat.store right now, 
limited edition collaboration. I've been told that the shelves are getting more stark than, you know, day one of a uh, nor'easter there with all the bread off the shelves. A couple pieces left, but the whole thing is we got to sell this out. We got to move this product if we want more of this average Joe art experience. Are you experienced? Well... I have. I've got mine in the mail. It's fantastic. Get yours today, morningcombat.store. I appreciate the people who said, BC, I'm cheap right now. I'm going through troubles. Do you have a, you have a discount code? Can you, can you send me a, a, you know, a, a hand, a, a tip? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just a tip, but, you know, I don't really do that. Uh, only on my OnlyPipes do I, right? Cameo.com slash Brian Campbell. Uh, Hey, we got to pay this fantastic dude who's coming up with these collaboration ideas, and we're doing a great job. Shout out to RJ moving that product. Luke will be here shortly, but speaking of the fans, right? Uh, at morningcombat at gmail.com is your entry. Well, actually, Mikey Mormal is more of like our front man in the brick and mortar who receives all the weirdness and hopefully kind of siphons it out. Uh, but what we've received is uh, not only fan subs every Wednesday, dead wrongs every Friday. We sometimes get gifts, mail here. People say, hey, I want to send you something. And I'm like, well, if it's going to be a uh, bag of anthrax, send it to that guy, right? You know what I mean? You got some anthrax vinyl, send it to this guy. But uh, we sometimes get mail here. So this would be a good time to dig right into what we got here, all right? Uh, let's start off with this one. I believe there's a note on this. Uh, and, you know, I do welcome if you want to, if you're not going to send violence, Um or you're not going to, like, sneeze into an envelope and then write care of Luke Thomas on the front. Um, sometimes I do enjoy receiving this weirdness, right? I also wonder where this stuff has been, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, this one's from Seferino Decani. Decani? Uh, your choice, right? How about, how about you, Seth? Happy birthday, BC. Thank you for all the joy you bring me. Luke Thomas's birthday is next. Keep up the good work. This was probably from a couple months ago. What do we got here? We got an official Blu-ray disc copy of The River Wild starring uh, Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon. Uh, wow, I, I, I don't know what to say, right? I feel like this is uh, the best uh, pair of socks and tie on Father's Day that I could have received. But um, all I need is a Blu-ray player, and I, and I think I can do the business with this movie right here, The River Wild. It's, just, it's a lot like navigating the relationship between award-winning hosts on this fantastic show, although I can't wait to see that guy any minute now. Do we have more gifts? Yes, we do. Okay, this one's got Almighty written out all over it. Do I think I know what this is? Is this from the uh, the UK? By God, it is. From Arnold Allen, and I know Average Joe Art did play a part in this because he's the designer. Here is the official, I believe, is it the Pacer Allen merch? Hell to the... Yeah, can I get... Give, give me my ISO. Give me my ISO on this PS. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Pacer's Gym... Where, of course, all PEDs are not only accepted, they are encouraged. The father, of course, of uh, UFC lightweight great Arnold Allen, Pacer Allen. Uh, great work here by Average Joe Art. Love to see that fella collaborate with so many fighters on their and podcasts on their merch. Not just because he's great at what he does, but because he's one of us. He, he's a donk. He's a P1, right? We're all in this together, right? We're the, he, he's, he's part of this weird family. We claimed him first. I, maybe. I don't know. I don't know the origins of that, right? But if you ain't first, you're definitely last. I think that's it for uh, prizes and goodie bags. I'm being told Luke is, I mean, just seconds away from touching down. We'll, we'll check the, uh, we'll check his spirits, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, we'll check where he's at right there. But uh, don't forget, guys, right? I was off maybe a little bit on the, uh, on the math earlier on. But not this weekend. The following weekend, Showtime pay-per-view, Undisputed versus Undisputed. 
Canelo versus Charlo. Um, uh, am I reading you an ad right now or am I just sharing the excited love of my own boxing heart? Definitely a little bit of both, but definitely more of the latter. Um, can't wait. Luke and I will be on the desert grounds next week, uh, hosting the weigh-in coverage, hosting the press conference, and uh, hopefully maybe even some prelim action, calling some fights. We'll see what breaks down. But, you know, you follow all week on Showtime Sports' YouTube channel. Uh, we got you covered front to back on it. A fantastic fight. The legend Canelo against uh, a guy who wants to become just that. Are you watching all Access episodes one and two, which you can find right now on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel? You probably should because it's getting me old school, fired up for this thing in the most organic way possible. And I have to say, I've been very um, very intrigued by this uh, Jermel Charlo. It's not a, not a face turn or anything like that, just sort of like the demeanor he's been carrying. You know, based on the past, we sort of held... Jermel to the idea that he's going to come out, you know, press conference, guns blazing, talking all that that junk, get himself, because I think that's how he gets himself fired up. He admits he's got the chips on the shoulder. He's got stacks of Pringles right there. But he's presenting himself for whatever that's worth in, in this fight, which is no easy task moving up two weight classes, uh, you know, without question. But he's this is like a business, this is becoming a business trip for Jermel Charlo, you know, and and I and I think there's something there. It's not just that he's he looks as happy and as you know focused as ever before, but I, I'm hearing the words he's saying, and I think he's in a fantastic spot, knowing it's going to be a battle. But what's on the other side potentially, if he can pull this upset win, um, it's greatness. And I think he just got a taste of that with his last win over Castanio to become the undisputed champion at 154. Um, this ain't Castaño, though. I get that. It's Canelo. It's a different battle altogether. And, and certainly the storylines following Canelo, not just through the press conferences, but also all access, is did we see a damaged version of him of late when we thought he looked human in three consecutive fights? You got you to count all three. The loss to Bivol, which was closer than the eyes seemed to make it be. Um, that trilogy win over Gennady Golovkin, which was less than inspiring. And then, of course, the homecoming against John Ryder, where he dominated but didn't get the guy out of there in the hometown setting with with a huge, amazing crowd right there. He says it's the the hurt left hand that he pushed off surgery and kept a very busy schedule, and it's believable. He's only 33. It's a lot of miles on 33, though, when you turn pro at 15 and when you had you know the same amount of fights as Floyd at the time that you fought him, yet Floyd was 36 and you're 23, right? Like that, Canelo's been through some... He's been through the battles. Uh, he's, he wins almost all of them, but boy, has he also been through the battles in some of these fights. But could he bounce back and look completely different now, fully healthy after surgery? Yes, he could. And that's certainly along with the size difference, what the odds makers are, are looking at in making, I think Canelo as high as a three to one favorite. But I think the whole point here is if you're, if you want to back the upset, is Charlo equipped with the necessary combination of like, tools and intangibles to be in position to pull the upset. I'm here to say he is, you know, the, the speed, the, 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 the power, which I know he's got to carry it up two weight classes, but uh, the elusiveness, if he wants to go a little bit more back to his quicker boxing days, or even just as that efficient counterpuncher, it's not going to be an easy task for big red, uh, especially if Jermel can move away from the power and absorb it and, and not let that affect him. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'll be on the grounds there with Luke Thomas to check that out. Speaking of the fine co-host with the most, the most successful combat sports show over the last couple of years, like, I don't know, I've ever seen. I think he's here. I think I hear his voice in the distance, you know, as we stare into the mystic of the future of my career, just 
babbling right in front of the microphone. Normally it's organized chaos. It's, it's effective babbling. It's premeditated babbling. This is just, you know, how fast can I move my legs to avoid drowning? And will that drowning happen before or after the Titanic waters overwhelm me due to the temperature difference right there? You know, I'm cold, Jack. I'm cold right now. You know, luckily though, I'm, I do tend to piss hot, right? You know, so I'm able to just keep this, this hot air balloon going, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's lonely. It's only, it's only on top. It can be lonely in front of the camera. You know, where, where were you when I needed you? Two minutes to Luke. Where were you when I, when I, when, you know, uh, <laughs> it's not his fault though, to be very fair with you. I'm just joking with you. Luke should be here any second. We got a lot of topics to get to um, from Dana White speaking to the future of 10, eight rounds and scoring and mixed martial arts. <laughs> a little bit interesting there. Hopefully we'll get to your fan subs to close. And, uh, you know, every time we do come to Jersey City here, representing Jersey, N-E-W, Jers, where many murders occurs. Just, yeah, that's what, they, that's what, the, that's what the, uh, the troubadours used to think about. But um, uh, we, we are going to be filming some, some bonus material as well that you'll be seeing rolled out in the future. And hopefully you will be getting very excited about. I got to get that couch back into use again, if you know what I mean, right? More for interviews, obviously. But, um, you know, a lot of people are like, BC, are you joking about the idea that maybe the RSD couch once hosted a hooker fatality? And I'm like, you know, it's a great bit, but I, I can't guarantee you that it's not true. But uh, just 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 to uh, hopefully raise the spirits of you of you P1 hardcore mixed martial arts fans. Um, Luke's here. He's getting mic'd up now. We're going to see him back. Very excited to see him. Uh, a couple low blows I threw at him for fun there, but I had, you know, I had some time to burn. Now that he's in my presence, I can, I can try to, you know, be a lot nicer to him. But a uh, big fan of this guy. He comes to us from uh, Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, and he's a fantastic fight analyst and a great dad, too. Let's give him that respect. Uh, let me introduce to you guys one half of the award-winning Morning Combat podcast and show it's Luke Franklin Thomas of India. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so that'd be a great album cover, right? For yeah. <laughs> See, is he pointing at me or or is he pointing at the uh, the P ones? You know what I'm saying? Either way, you, 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 either way, you tend to tune in regularly for him. You tend to you know make sure your questions get answered. And hey, you know Thursdays you're on your own, people. You can do what you want. You know what I mean? I'm going to hire you on Cameo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was once asked to show my feet on Cameo. Luckily, the person rescinded that so I didn't have to have that interpersonal debate that I'm sure, to be fair, a lot of UFC fighters are having. Yeah, right in front of the camera. There we go. Um, about, you know, do I show my butthole or not? Have I achieved enough success <laughs> where I won't need that? It's a fair and honest request. Luke, uh, great to see you. Obviously, jokes aside, um, I'm glad you were able to still make it. Jesus. It's out of your hands. We know. But what, what was what do you think was the problem? What so happened? we told it told us what the problem was. Uh, it's I mean it's a larger problem, right? Americans and American politicians have decided that investment in public infrastructure is a bad idea. Okay, I didn't sign up for a TED talk here. I was really oh, looking no. to find out if the train. Went know, off that's the really track. that's really the <laughs> issue though. The issue is that we have shitty uh, public uh, transportation. But the short answer was there was a signaling issue outside the city by BWI, which is an airport, and no one could come or go. So. We just sat there like fucking assholes. Yeah. And then I had the driver who just took me from the train station here. It was one of those guys who like consistently goes five miles an hour less than the speed limit to be extra safe. And I was like, my guy, I might fucking kill you if you don't hit that gas pedal. So um, 
Yeah, I want to kill everybody on that train. <laughs> all right. Uh, Michael Douglas from Falling Down <laughs> will be here all day. Thank you very much. Uh, Luke, I did want to say, because uh, I, I, I I, would hope you would expect a lot from me. Yeah, what, um, what insults did you say? No, 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 those were all just, just you know, regular fare. But, um, I, I, you know, in, I would hope that you hoped that you were walking into some type of a bear trap or something fun. So right? I remember the last time that the Amtrak had whored me, uh, you had... Uh, Von Amsterdam. Just bumblefuck Vaughn. Okay, I don't. I don't think he deserves that. To be fair, right? I'm in a mood. I'm He's in a documented mood. your life. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. It was really awful having to wake up at 4:30 in the morning, and then you. It took eight hours to get wake to the up. station. Why don't you put on a little makeup? I've been. I've been. I, I have. I have. I have worked a full day just to get here. Yeah, that was an Armenian tribute, by the way. Um, I, what I wanted to say was I did have ideas, and I think the best idea I had, and also Ashley suicide. Uh, well, okay, all right. I mean, that's so un- that's just <laughs> unnecessary, especially with the headlines. Um, but I'll say this: uh, I wanted to have the show live, but bring the audience in on the joke. You have no idea, yeah, yeah. and then when you walk in. Ashley's idea was that I would hide underneath here to, like, scare you in a big surprise. But yeah. we would try to let it go as long as we could with you. Like, where's BC? What the fuck? And you're, but you don't know. But then um, upper management was like, you know, he may give away trade secrets accidentally. <laughs> and I was like, he won't do a racial slur. That's not Luke's style. That's not his his lane in comedy, right? Different lanes, Beeb. But I think, though, Luke, that um, at the end of the day, I think it would have been awesome. But, you know, they were a little nervous that. that uh, I might have killed you. I might have killed you yeah. for that kind of... Boy, they just punted on the extra camera, huh? Where? Oh, no, there's the third one. No, no, there's... Sorry. Good. No, they were willing to give me a roaming camera because I wanted to start it oh, in the men's you know, room. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted you had to start Jake here. to knock right. on the men's room door and I'm sitting, and that's you know right, what I mean? And then right. we... I, I, like, the show's I live. Here we go. I recant. You know? I recant. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have showed my my uh, my Skeeter if that's what you're wondering, right? Dude, I... W- you know what I was I was thinking about? I was like, my that, Skeeter... No, not that. Not Not that. But my feet are the most horrendous feet on earth. Like, no one would ever yeah, want to look at them. I get blamed in document, documentary number seven. They think that's my feet. That's your feet and your That's off. the one they went to the house? Yeah. Yes, that, those are my feet. My feet are gross. You can but I'm saying, I'm saying, I wish I had the kind of... I think people who are into feet deserve to be jailed. I mean, I think they're the weirdest people on earth. And they're gross and I awful. I have to believe that cr- that's a crossover for our for our core fan base. Like, oh, so there's some there's yeah. some crossover there. I mean, if feet you're market. into feet, you bring people Land Jaeger, you've ejaculated. Yeah, that's okay. that's just a guarantee. Shout out to that guy. Yeah. So, but I'm saying, I wish I ha- I could sell pictures <laughs> of my feet. You know how you know how fast I would do that on OnlyFans, selling pictures of my dumbass feet for money. Well, knowing your ch- the discipline financially of your chat audience, it's, you never know, Luke. You never <laughs> you never know, right? Yeah. One man's yeah. There you go, uh, Luke. Yeah, any other things to report from this ride? You did have a famous um, a famous television star. Greta Van Susteren was uh, not only on my train; she was one seat over and up from me. Um, she still talks like. Didn't you know, she make her name off of OJ? <laughs> yes. People, Dude, oh, pop quiz! I didn't know this either until I looked it up. What news channel is her show on? I didn't know this either. I don't know. I thought it was like CNN for a while, and then I saw her on Fox News for a little while. Bullshit! Newsmax. She's on the old Newsmax. I didn't even know that was a channel. I'm not into like like the news really. She's she's you know she's getting that conservative ad money. You know, I've I spent my whole career in the media. I've seen how the sausage is made. Yeah, it's gross. It's fucking gross. Yeah, it's the worst. Again. I wish people would buy pictures of my feet. I would sell it. Okay. I would sell it and I would quit this job. Uh, you know, I did, by the way, within the last two weeks, I have worn no socks and slides on a plane. And, oh. I, and I didn't give a damn about it. You are an absolute mutant. Oh, my God. I think that, and I don't have, I'm not saying did this. Did you take because, the slides off? 
I don't think it's that different from being able to breastfeed in public. And I'm not trying to take shots. Are uh, you on that out side. of your mind? Okay. I just think it's comfortable. It's very comfortable. You know? Wait, how is you being gross the same as a woman breastfeeding? No, because to some people that's a controversial element. I've got no problem with it. But oh, I'm I saying agree. I don't. I think it's the same thing. It, it, to some people Dude, they're I not going to like it. But you I, know. Did, I didn't even tell you this. So this last thing that we'll get to show. I don't started. mean that. No, did I, did I hear a, a re- Sorry, uh, yeah, it's not the same. It's, idiot. it's a completely idiotic comparison. I didn't. I wasn't trying to go. They go low, you know, and up yeah. down here. It's our time. I wasn't trying to do anything. So like listen, that. I'll, I'll tell you the story. Then we'll get the show started because I didn't tell you this, and it, it was the most like fucking bizarre thing. I took Tuki to the park. All right, and what was kind of park where I had to put her in the bike trailer, and we had to bike to the this park that's like a few miles away. She loves it. It's all they're all a little different. We're wrapping up. I'm putting her back in the trailer, putting the helmet on her, and some lady behind me just says. Hey, there's a bike festival coming up next weekend and I t- for kids. So I turn around to talk to her, and she's just actively breastfeeding, right? She's just actively in the middle of doing it. I'm not, you know. Hey, let them work. Let them live. Let, exactly. Okay. And, but let them air out, right? She, I mean, what's she, the problem? She here? kept going. She was like, hey, if you need more information, uh, when I'm done, I can just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like. Lady, I think you have business to attend to. Please stop making eye contact with me. It's making me uncomfortable. I need an adult. I feel uncomfortable after hearing this story. I'm not sure what the, uh, yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. You she know? couldn't have been like, hey, there's a bike fair. Check out blah, 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 and then been done. She was, like, make, she, was, she was like, I'm the captain now. I'm like, this is a little okay, much. Okay, you know that story I told you about former boxing champion Asselino Popo Freitas, right, from Brazil? Oh, I forget. That he was breastfed until he was 13, <laughs> and his boxing nickname of Popo is the sound that it makes on the nipple? suckling on the nipple. Yeah, that's the most bizarre <laughs> story of all time, right? That's unbelievable. Dude, mom, got, mom was a little late there with weaning him off the teat. Oh, you know my what? God. I'll, I will say this. He was always very healthy, though. Always strong bones, calcium. You know what I mean? If a car could hit him. He'd be indestructible. Absolutely. Hey, let's start the show, right? I was told by the staff because, you know, there's, I have a reputation for going long, Luke. Yeah, you Certainly. don't listen to anyone's so Freddie and yeah. me, right? Yeah, right? It's just, you know, uh, they, they, we have to keep it tight because we got a Let's lot to it. shoot. All Let's right, do it. Here we go. Let's start right off the top. Topic number one, it's a reaction because Dana White, the boss, the UFC president or CEO, I guess, after the recent change with TKO, uh, he spoke after Tuesday night's Dana White Contender Series since he wasn't there. Did he not speak after Noche, Luke? Is that what No, he was on vacation, they said. That's right. He was on vacation, and we got to hear his reaction to some of the biggest topics First and foremost, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko and the future of the women's flyweight title. According to Dana at the presser, he agreed with my initial pitch that you have to make the rematch next, the trilogy. He also talked up how much Noche UFC hit on every potential metric, including one million per Dana unique subscribers to ESPN Plus hitting that event, meaning these are new customers that never I don't think that's before. what it means, by the way. Uh, I know Power Slap is big in India, you know? But uh, here's the thing I'll say about this, uh, Luke. He's leading this way. Now, there's some complications. This is why I want to get you to react. We also, we, also have, uh, we also have the clips of him talking. We do. Yes, we do. I was unaware of that. Yeah, oh. sorry. I sent them to oh, Gaff. they were just so. added to the rundown yes. here. Okay. Then why don't we let Dana speak first, and I'll react. Here's Dana specifically on whether he wants this trilogy. I told you he does. Let's hear the reasons. you feel like they need to fight a, a third time? You have to rematch. You have to do the rematch. We will rematch them. It's, it's the right thing to do. It's the, it's the fight that needs to happen. And, uh, yeah, so let, let me tell you guys this. Let me tell you this text I got today. Ah, fuck did it go? All right. Hey, Dana, 
Your idea to go all in on Mexican Independence Day paid off. Noche UFC was the most watched fight night of all time on ESPN+. 1.1 million unique views. You were. 1.1 million people that had never been to ESPN+, tuned in for that fight. That's not uh, what unique means. One second. We'll get to what that means for the rest of the division and the top contenders. But Luke specifically, he's saying we are willing to wait. Valentina's she's going to be can't throw for three months, recovering from what she's going to have surgery on her right hand. So this means that they're basically saying not only are we doing this next and this is the biggest fight, we got to get closure. He he lambasted the 10-8 round as being the fifth round from Mike Bell as just being ridiculous. But a key part of this, Luke, is he was saying he was teasing the idea of Mexico. That not only do they want to go back to Mexico, he said the next time Grasso fights or be in Mexico, he was leading us to believe that this fight's not only going to happen, he supports everything I said the other day. Mm. It's going to be in next Mexico. Your reaction to, to this? If it's it, a fight night, that would make sense. I just don't think it'll be a pay-per-view unless they're doing it as part of, like it's a co-main event on a pay-per-view with a really big one. But even then, I don't think they will. I think they'll probably do. This could main event after that close draw. Oh, a pay-per-view? Yes, I think not, not in Mexico? It would bomb on pay-per-view doing that. It would but they're bomb. not. But the, here's the deal, though. They're not. They don't. They won't care as much what the North American, you know, pay per view buys are outside of that. Because remember what they're getting from ESPN. If this is just more about drumming up interest and being there, could be. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I mean, listen, it's hardly a bad fight. A third one. I think it would be kind of interesting. It wasn't what I thought was necessary for the division. I thought it was actually time to cycle through because now part of this, what he said, was that Manon Fioro is going to fight Aaron Blanchfield to decide number one contender. So now you're just going to cannibalize one of your contenders to feed this need. I'm not opposed to them going to Mexico. I'm not opposed even per se of having a third fight. I just don't think it needs to happen now. But it sounds like it's going to. The funny part about this is you had... Valentina Shevchenko this week saying, well, this fight, the third fight needs to be in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> well, uh, that, that, that was never going to happen. Yeah, and not only is that not going to happen, the fight was in America with an American commission. Now it might be in Mexico with a Mexican well, commission. Well, the Good reason luck. why I had pitched the idea of Mexico originally was because I think that just Shevchenko getting the trilogy is showing her respect for what she's accomplished and the fact that it wasn't just people thought she should have won. There was the double whammy, not just of uh, – there was the 10-8 round, which is which officially robbed her of that. And then it was a draw when most people, or at least a lot of people, think she should have won, although we've established that it could be 3-2 either way without that 10-8 round. So I get that. I get that completely. But I don't know. The cannibalization potential on Blanchfield Faroe is there. But is there cannibalization potential on Grasso at all if Shevchenko wins? Or is it just, well, Shevchenko's already a legend. If she wins back the title, then then these two are made for life in terms of, of their rivalry, right? Could be. But I think you could get another result that, um, I mean, you, what's my prediction for the third fight? It's going to be close. It's going to be really, really, really close. And the thing that decides it will probably be quite marginal. Also, I saw some folks being like, oh, you the, they're going to make this one for the third time and they're not going to give Aljo a rematch. Again, the one thing I did agree on on Monday's show with you about this was this was a candidate for running it back because it was extremely close. Yes. Uh, you can make an argument that the commission's way of the way in handling this affected the outcome. That makes it a much more worthy candidate. I just thought that there were other factors in play that would make us want to go in a different direction, but... Dana's in control. One thing I want um, to ask you. Yeah. Um, and we, we we tend to be very honest in this show. I'll be sometimes conspiratorial. Sometimes it's just to, to, for a good conversation. Sometimes I believe some of it. I don't know if we're always getting the truth in this regard. But Dana seemed to really speak out against that 10-8 scorecard, and we'll have more on the future of that. But And also was uh, just 
in general was upset the way this went down. The media asked him multiple times at this press conference, like, would you prefer a world where the judges would be held accountable or the commission in terms of in front of the media? We've talked about this ad nauseum anytime there's a tough call that needs more explaining. And Luke, he in one sense fully agreed that he'd like to live in that world, but seemed automatically resigned on the other side that it will never happen. Isn't this guy like a maverick that kicks down doors when people say, like, things can't be done or, hey, this power slap thing's going to fail? Dude, they're putting a lot of money into that, whether I like it or not, and, and they're going to give it every chance. Um, same thing with putting on shows during COVID, even if it was that financial bottom line of protecting the ESPN deal. Shouldn't he be fighting this more if he's that – the whole idea that the commissions won't change? Well, can't you – publicly push for them to do that should shouldn't he be as heavy-handed in this since it actually affects the results of these fights and can and can put a bad stain on the company if there's a really bad decision that obviously ufc has no connection to shouldn't he be fighting harder and saying no las vegas fucking how about some accountability how about put the people out there don't just say oh they don't want to do that am i asking for too much here luke i don't i don't it's a complicated one right because on the one hand on the merits of this particular issue, Dana is completely right. You know what I mean? On this particular issue, them, not so much that Mike Bell's some kind of terrible lout, but that some measure of trans... I made this argument on Twitter before. The argument for why the commissions should talk to the media is not because it would lessen criticism. It might in certain circumstances, but where they double down on their original decision, it could actually enrage Everybody else. And so it, th- th- I think trying to sell that to the commission members like, oh, this would be good for you. I, it's, I don't know. It's a bit of a false promise. The, the reason why they should do it is because you're, you're, you're the government. You're public servants. You owe it. Matter of factly, you owe it. So on the merits, Dana is very right. On the other hand, and I would never, never have said this if it was not for power slap, how much influence do we want major promoters to have over the decisions of commissions? I'm, I'm granting on this issue, I agree completely with Dana. However, the relationship that they have with the Nevada Commission where they coax them into putting the stamp of authenticity essentially on power slap, which was a total abdication of their actual responsibilities, like I do think I want promoters to be able to speak their mind when they have good ideas. But I'll tell you, I'm a little bit nervous about the idea that like, uh, the guy in charge of the monopoly over an industry can stamp his feet and be like, do this for me. Is right. that a good thing? I don't know if that's a good right. thing. Right, especially if, if, if the public disagrees with the next thing he's taking a hard stance on, but then he suddenly got that leverage to make immediate change. I guess I don't expect immediate change. I, I, I don't know. It was just weird how quickly he's just sort of like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Sorry, guys. Anything else, that dude's fucking well, they, getting in a tank if, if, and moving walls. Okay, know? but also, like, I, uh, in, again, in defense of Dana, I did see him speak out pretty vociferously years and years and years ago about Steve Mazzagatti. For folks who don't remember it, I mean, he was going after Mazzagatti by name after multiple events, multiple media scrums, and I, not just, like— Minorly, yes. majorly going after it. He was. He had a big hard on for Yamasaki too. Uh, eventually, but not at first. And so they have removed Masagati from most refereeing roles related to the UFC and, and other stuff. Although he's there as a timekeeper, Which looking is like hilarious, looking like a Foot Locker employee <laughs> with that striped shirt of his. It's just hilarious that he gets to sit like right up on the cage, and yeah. they've completely like fought against his name and banned just, him for just like, mouth breathing yeah. the whole time. But in any case. That was the only one that they he was able to make headway on, and like he had to he had to bang his fist down on the floor, Micah, and ask to see the manager a number of times. So you know it's not so easy. I've seen people do that before, by the way. Oh yeah, you seen some Karens in the wild? Oh wow, dude, my wife loves Karen videos. 
I'm, yeah. I'm like, they do. They stress me out. Watching these like these bitter ass women demand to see the manager for some bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't watch that as entertainment. That that is. Uh, My wife loves it. But then again, you know, your wife went to the Pantera concert, so God bless her. You know, she's. It's not just to support you. She wants that energy, Luke. She does. Like, she doesn't like Pantera as like, much as I do, but she does. She. What did would like you say it. is her favorite band? That's not a uh, like a reggaeton. That like that like her favorite mainstream like rock band. What would you say? Black Label Society. Oh my God. Or wow. or, or Opeth. I'm or starting to to believe that your wife. Is has much is much more of a man than I am, and I say that with full respect. All right. Yeah, yeah. Opeth or Black Label Society would be. The I mean, do you receive that as respect? It's. I say that with respect. I mean, you're horny all the time, so it's hard to say. I don't know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know. Not a fair. I mean, you know, especially. I mean, you know, it's like. You know, could you make? Do you think they're that? talking about us on a group chat right now? I hope. I all the Malka employees. Uh, before we get into this ten eight thing, Luke. The Noche thing hit now, me. Now, straying off topic. Hey, I see there that. There it is. There I it is. I see that back uh, there. The, no, the, U, the Noche UFC, whether Dana's metrics are correct or not, I mean, it hit big. He's got big plans for the future. Let's hear a little bit about that. Yeah, this was interesting. I'm going to have that on the same date every year. This yeah. year, you pushed Canelo off that date. I yeah. know sometimes you guys are clashing in the past, but it seemed like you got that, and they didn't want to go against you. You think these numbers that you pulled this I, I will go that date every day. I don't care if somebody here in town gets the date at the arena. I'll go in an opposing arena and go head-to-head -head with them next year. I'm doing this for the rest of my reign here. <laughs> so they can go on the same night. We can go head-to-head. -head. I'm going. Dana was asked further whether it would stay a free sort of thing to attract interest or would become a pay-per-view. He wasn't really committal, didn't really commit to the answer, excuse me, but um, seemed to lean toward the idea that once it gets bigger, and he says every year it's going to get bigger and better, it would eventually become a pay-per-view. Luke, um, did you feel like we talked about how much we enjoyed the card, we enjoyed the, the pomp and circumstance, the Mexican traditions that were sort of puffed up for this one? Um, I feel like this could be like, when you talk about UFC majors, it could be like right there with MSG or whatever else you want to call a major at this point. You know, Abu Dhabi in October is becoming a major, it feels like. I tell you what, this was the most interesting news yesterday for me, by far. Okay, so Dana White has admitted that when they first bought the UFC with the Fertitta money, they were like, okay, we're going to get MMA to the next level. We're going to get UFC to the next level by following boxing's map, which for them meant, of course, being in the United States, but UK and Mexico. And what they found at that time was that was not the right map. MMA had a different map. It was more at that time, Japan. It was obviously Brazil. It was more Canada, of course, the US as well, but it was a very different map. And so a lot of the traditions weren't the same. A lot of the places they wanted to go to weren't the same. They were pulling from different countries' talents and blah, blah, blah. But Latin America has had an uprising in terms of their amount of talent and Mexico in particular has been a major standout. And now BC, the boxing map and the MMA map, they are now overlapping yes. in a lot of ways that they never used to. And now that Dana and the UFC, and I think really other MMA promoters too, can benefit from the growth of Mexican MMA and that fan base. And the PI is opening soon. And the PI, they now get to have some of those traditions and they're going to challenge boxing for it. It, was, it used to be, again, different maps and now they're not. Yeah. I think this is uh, a bit of a wake-up call to boxing promoters, oh, for sure. For sure. and it's going to be an interesting challenge. This has always been boxing's big holiday, Canelo in particular, during our time as media yeah. members. Ooh, here comes UFC. Say, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't get excited about this because for sure. what do I always want, whether I'm talking about the UFC or back in my wrestling podcasting days when I'm talking about the WWE, I want competition at the highest level. You know what my favorite time as a boxing fan in this modern era was? The calendar year of 2013. 
where Al Heyman made a big move by taking Floyd Mayweather and big names and bringing them from HBO to Showtime. And then HBO that year was just like, we're going to take everything we have and, and make the best fights we can. And it was a year-long legit head-to-head guns blazing WCW versus WWE type of like Monday Night Wars. I'm going to bring my best. And, you know, it was great. I'm not against this, even though I don't always love selfishly because we can only pick one to sort of really watch aggressively. I don't love when a giant UFC pay-per-view is up against a giant boxing pay-per-view from the just the logistics of our job. But I want great fights. And if this means everybody raises their game because of it, um, when I hear Dana say, this is what I've wanted to do, meaning make make inroads in Mexico, like since day one of buying the company. I'm actually proud of him to see it come to fruition now. You know what I mean? It took a long time, but they've done it slowly. This is great to see in that regard. And, and, and again, anything that leads to more big events feeling huge and feeling, you know, making lifting this sport higher, you got to be for it. Yeah, again, now they're competing for the same demo, at least in Mexico or Mexican-American fans. They're competing for the same demo. That is going to raise the stakes around a day like this and then that market in particular significantly so. And honestly, I think boxing needs a little bit of a kick in the ass. They've, they've been enjoying this without any kind of challenge before. Well... Now you're going to get challenged for it. Highly intriguing to see what this looks like next year. Again, one more thing before we get to that 10-8, because we did quickly gloss over the idea of Aaron Blanchfield versus Manon Ferro, and we it does potentially take a contender out of the mix. By let me ask them you. Let loss, me ask you. But I don't think these – well, here's my point. So I don't think these losses are like, you know, you can come back and bounce back at a couple wins – but uh, where do you stage this? Like, where do you put this fight? Yeah. This, is a me- this is as big of a non-title fight in terms of what it means critically for the future as in any division. Okay, you know? but let me ask you seriously. Seriously. How much do you like that fight? Oh, for, I love just it. As a, just as a fight. I love it. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Really? I want to know how great these women are and, and putting them against each other is the best way to do it. That's why, like, if this is the reaction to we must do this trilogy, and I actually kind of agree. I made the case. Yeah, I love the idea of the trilogy. But you also like full meritocracy where you can't get a title shot unless you beat the best and you climb up. I know it's 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 leaving a, another title contender, pushing them down a bit. But, dude, these are two studs that have yet to be solved at this level that are about to find out. And, they're, and it's style contrast that I love as well. Yeah, I don't think the style contrast is all that interesting. Either Blanchfield rolls over her or, or ekes one by. I know you, you're going to pick Or Fio, Fioro ekes one by. You're going to pick Blanchfield by demolition and stoppage. I know. Demolition, I don't know, but I would pick her to win, yeah. Yeah, but I just don't think it's that interesting of a fight, actually. I mean, I think it's, I, got, have, it's got big stakes. But what, what the hell is not interesting about it? Uh, it's not a bad fight. That's not what I'm saying. And it's got big stakes, and it matters. It matters a lot. But just on pure fight terms, it doesn't do much for me. It doesn't. It's not very intriguing. I mean, I'd love it for a championship, but in this circumstance, this is this is not a bad move. This is not a negative move. This isn't lifting somebody who doesn't deserve a title shot and putting them in. They're basically just saying, sorry, guys, you got to go through one more test before you get to the top. But the thing is, whoever wins this, they're going to be so much more ready for a big title shot than if it happened three fights ago because Valentina had no more opponents. You know what I'm saying? That's like true. This is this is the old school way to do it. There are fighters that had to go this route. Max Holloway did not get handed a title shot easily. Look, he had to go the long road, right? And St. Pierre had to beat Trigg, although he beat the shit out of Trigg. But, uh, th- we always want to reward somebody because they had two good wins of a title shot, especially in dying divisions. And this division used to be dying, but it ain't dying anymore, dude. No, I mean, again, it, it's an important fight. It's, um, it's the fight that seemingly is going to happen. I just, I'm not like, you know, it doesn't, of all the things on the calendar, I wouldn't yes. be like on purely fight terms. 
It wouldn't be the most exciting to me. All right, our final Dana clip is the perfect segue into topic two, which surrounds 10-8 rounds and what happened in round five of the Shevchenko-Grasso rematch. Let's listen to Dana first, and then we'll react. That's on the title fight and, and how it played out. So I was on vacation when this thing happened, and I'm sitting in my house going, ten, when I found out that one of the judges scored 10-8, I'm like, this guy should be fucking investigated for this. This is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. And as I started to talk to people, you know, I guess there was a, you know, there's a seminar tomorrow with the Athletic Commission on 10-8s. So hopefully they can get this cleared up, especially in title. There's so much at stake in a title fight, more than just money, um, you know, show and win and pay-per-view and championships and, and, and legacies and, it's just, you have to have the best of the best in title fights. So um, they've assured me that this guy isn't a bad guy. He just fucked up and made a mistake. And it, it's, it's unfortunate. And there's no way in hell that was a 10-8 round. Dana, going back to that 10-8, <clears throat> obviously we can't really make an assumption. But what do you think the judge was thinking during that? <laughs> do you think it was like, oh, I feel like Alexa won the, the fight, but I've scored it too far to Valentina, so I kind of have to make it up. Did he not see the choke properly? Like, what do you think could have caused him to make that a 10-8? Unfortunately, you'll probably never have the opportunity to have him sitting somewhere like this and ask him that question, because only he knows the answer to that question. Valentina gets dropped in like the second or third round. I don't remember. That's not a 10-8, but the fifth round is a 10-8. Especially when Valentina was winning the first three minutes of the fifth round. It literally makes no sense. Is that something you would like to see? I know you can't make it happen, but would you like the judges to be able to speak to the media after a controversial decision or even the commission themselves just come out and speak? Do you think that's something that could benefit them or is it going to make them a target of like crazy hate and bullshit? Yeah, unfortunately, that is part of the and, and, and I get it why the athletic commission wouldn't want to put their guys out in front of, you know, the media and and and, and deal with the fans and all the bullshit. Um, but. Uh, you just don't throw 10-8s around. 10-8s are... Third round tonight was a 10-8. When there is an absolute ass-whooping and the fight could be stopped at any moment and, and one fighter absolutely dominates from bell to bell, you can score it a 10-8. This whole, what was it, domination, control, and all this other bullshit, it's just the biggest crock of shit of all time for a 10-8. A 10-8 is an absolute ass whooping, period. But back to that 10-8, um, that's fucking illegal, Luke. That's, um, not, that's not even the different, that's not even I will say, I, I agree with Dana on his uh, dislike for the 10-8. Uh, again, I thought he, a little too quick to punt away because they would ask him a second time in this press conference about making the people accountable. But uh, he's right, Luke, and this transitions with the news that Ariel- He's definitely Hawaii, not right. He's right that that was 100% not a 10-8 round. Yes, it was not a 10-8 round, but, but, but okay, okay, fine, fine. But then he turns around and describes a 10-8. That's not a 10-8. That's a 10-7 oh, yeah. well, what at he's that describing. Point I felt we had run the video too long, and he was just talking in circles. But, yes, um, he was. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't always agree with what he says. But, Luke, as Ariel tweeted yesterday, and as Dana mentioned there, today, NSAC, Nevada State Athletic Commission, will be holding the uh, – have all licensed judge holding a special 10-8 training session. That's – that's the response. I mean, it's a response. It's a, it's a very good response, right? 
That's what you want. You don't from want the commission. To, you don't want the, the Nevada Commission to do the normal thing they do is like, no, Adelaide's great at her job. She's fine. We don't need to investigate this triple G thing. Like, come on, come on. Like, she's fine. It's great. They're not doing that. They're taking a. They're taking accountability, right? I mean, I I get you could pick apart this taking of accountability. So on what level is this accountability? They're holding a seminar to make sure everybody has a freaking clue so this doesn't happen immediately That's not accountability. That's just trying to uh, idiot-proof the future. Isn't that the positive response? That's what we want out of that. It's like a positive response. It's not the positive response. It's the fucking bare minimum. You're you're in a desert, well, literally, and the only water available to somebody is R. Kelly. It's going to keep you alive, Luke. Are you saying you would drink R. Kelly's piss? (laughs) To stay alive, I'd consider it, okay? Well, I guess you're right. This is R. Kelly's piss. That's what. That's what. The, that's what this version of remedy. You're like, isn't this remedy? I'm like, no. It's R. Kelly's piss. I mean, you're I like, and you're I like, mean, I Luke, drink that. Don't uh, you want them to at least? Do you want me to pee on you? I'll pee on you if <laughs> you want me to. Pee. <laughs> I mean, it's just, wow! Don't urinal cake me like that, please. This, I don't. You know, do we have a show anymore? Here, do we have a listen. Future? In all seriousness, here is the basic point. The point about this is, okay, they're doing s- something affirmative rather than nothing. And and I do agree that any additional training is helpful. That's not the same as accountability. That's not the same as accountability at all. Accountability to who? Um, accountability would be some level of public acknowledgement about, that. This about the that. individual judging performance and then having a dialogue okay. with the public. This whole shit, like, we're just going to keep everything behind doors. We're going to let you know there's a seminar going on, but we're going to keep everything behind closed doors. This is not accountability. This is not transparency. This is a way to, like, mildly circle the wagons and get everyone to shut up. Oh, we're going to do more training. Yes, more training is helpful. That's fine. That's fine. Accountability is leveling with the public what you know. Okay. That's not what they're doing. I mean, obviously, that's what I'd prefer. I just don't expect anything from them anymore. Yeah. I mean, even Dana's like, yeah, that's never going to happen. That's their decision. So I'm not going to rock that boat. Yo, rock the boat, motherfucker. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. No? On this issue, he's right. <laughs> on this issue, he's right. It's just... Uh, also, NSAC has commented on the knees to the ground that Alexa Grasso landed in round four against Shevchenko of this rematch, saying Grasso's knee strikes were deemed legal due to Shevchenko's Grounded hand not being flat on the canvas, Shevchenko expressed disappointment in the officiating and the referee not stepping in to stop the action. Postscript, Shevchenko also saying she might consider appealing, but that's not going to go anywhere. No, it will go absolutely nowhere because, once again, there's really no such thing as accountability that the fighters are able to <laughs> well, extract maybe if they can, from the The judges can hold a seminar about Shevchenko yeah. want to have an but then all, But then no one can attend unless they're a licensed judge, so it would be really great. Uh, this is what I mean. Like they, they, they take half measures, and then they want applause, and I'm like, guys, we don't have to give it to them. We can say this is certainly not a bad thing, but we don't owe it. I did want to ask you one question that was I thought was kind of interesting. So we had this fight. The one thing that I thought the commission in Nevada did do well on the Noche UFC night was uh, they Chris Taglioni made a bad stoppage in the Lacerda uh, who was he fighting? I forget the other kid. Um, but in any case, they realized it was wrong, used instant replay, and then they called a Edgar no decision. Chardes. Chardes. And, they, and they called a no decision. So that was a decent one. But what about this idea? In a fight where it is stopped due to submission and the stoppage is deemed, even by the referee and by the commission, wrong, uh, you give the option to both parties to restart the fight. If they say yes, you just restart. I would love that because I've always disliked when there's certain situations and they're like, well, because we pause to talk about it, we can't re- restart the fight. Right. I've always disliked that. 
if, if everybody sort of understands what really happened here. Like, I would like, Luke, if a fight was stopped, would you want them to look at the replay, realize they were wrong, and restart it in general? Or is that unfair because we stopped the action? No, in if a, you're going to have replay, In a case where to, uh, so notice the qualifier. Mine was it, in a fight where it's ended via submission, where someone's just cranking on something. Ref stops. He's like, no, I'm fine. It's not like he's getting Yeah, I'm sort down. of saying the same thing. Basically, okay. where, where a decision was made on a finish, but then they're like, hey, we have replay. Let's check it. If you're going to have replay, then use it, right? That's the whole thing. That's, I agree, yes. And then use it for what really matters. Yes, I would prefer that you would could restart a fight. Because what have you lost in that spot? If somebody, you know, if we missed a tap out or there was a tap out, and they're like, no, I didn't do it. Check the tape. And they're like, oh, yeah, he was just adjusting his BVDs, Luke. That's right. His Venom-branded BVDs. His Venom-branded BVDs. Yeah, those, them, okay. Hey, Luke, um, do you have anything to say about 10-8s or NSAC or? Um, well, Dana White giving his definition of, like, being dominant from beginning to end and nearly getting a stoppage, that's not a 10-8 at all. That's a 10-7. So, like, it's one thing to be like, well, the referee didn't do right. This was not a 10-8, which he is right about. And then describe a 10-8 incorrectly. <laughs> this is what I mean. It's like if you're going to do these things and advance these ideas, you have to have a grasp of the existing rule set. And it's just amazing to me how many people in MMA, in, if the average fan doesn't know, who cares? And, of course, we don't have them memorized, uh, but we're not licensed referees or officials. But it is amazing to me on the promotional side as well as the officiating – well, less of the officiating side, but certainly the promotional side um, and uh, the, on the commentary side as well – how many folks just aren't familiar with the rules and, like, they let this go on year after year? Well, it's I mean, it's rather remarkable. I ad nauseum about it, but I think not having damage and instead having uh, – Impact. It? Impact. Com based on the reading of it completely changes because it's not just about damage anymore. It's about is my strategy impacting yours enough to make you frustrated or having to go to something else that isn't your strength? You can read it that way. You 100% could, could term it that way where you look at a dominant wrestling round differently. Normally, we look at a wrestling round and go, was there ground upon or not, right? Did, was there a submission attempt or not? Yes, which I also hate. Well, what if that wrestling control was the entire round and there really wasn't anything in the stand-up? You still kept somebody away from doing anything. That has impact. I'm not saying I want fights to be judged more heavily and have an, another lay and pray era. I'm just saying I don't think it's black and white in there as much as Big John said it's supposed to be damaged. It's not there, Luke. You can't be half pregnant. <laughs> no, I guess you can't. You can't be half pregnant. I would just say, though, that personally, this this whole thing where we judge grappling, where it's like it only counts if it's super dominant, in which case you barely even need to judge it at all, I fucking hate it. I think it's so wrong. I think it's completely backwards, and I fucking hate it. I fucking right. hate it. Uh, the final thing Dana said of note, Luke, was he was asked about Raul Rosas Jr., the future sensation. Mm, yes. Overnight star. Yes. And he did use a social metric to back up the demand for this 18-year-old who bounced back out that went over Terrence Mitchell to put the train back on the tracks. He Dana claims that immediately after the Grasso-Shevchenko face-off was put up on Friday on social media, that did a million hits and that Rosas's did three million. Damn. And they're ba he's basically saying that this kid is. And we did see the pop with the sombrero. For and, sure. For that, sure. That Dana guaranteed that Ro Rosas Jr. would be on like every Noche card or any Mexican based card Smart. moving forward. Um, that's why I was arguing with you. I think we were get we, we had our swords crossed, and the people thought I was a dick. But my whole point was like, I don't think he's you know going to be ready to be. The best thing ever tomorrow, but his journey is going to matter because people are so bought in on this. Hundred percent true. Yes, I would agree with that. So they're going to keep propping him up, no matter who. You know, I would just again, I just want to caution folks: like, is he popular? Yes. Do people like him? Significantly so. But what I'm just cautioning folks against is promotional hype. 
and there's just nothing on tape that indicates that an elite future is uh, imminent. It could happen, but there's nothing there to suggest that right at this moment. So let's just enjoy the young man's journey where it's at, and then we'll make an assessment in due time. Calling him the young man. That's very dangerous. He's 18. He's calling people kid. Dana calls everybody kid. Uh, how, how old is Dana? Like 50 something now? Yeah, he's Jack, though. You got to give him that. Well, I mean, you got to give him that. You got to give him that. He's, I mean, had, he's, had, a, he's had a little help. Uh, topic three takes us to the, uh, the uh, what do you call that? The Apex, right? This Saturday. It's UFC fight night. How about this lightweight main event, though? You got to get fired up for this. Rafael Fazeev taking on Mateusz Gamrot. And the odds are telling you exactly what your brain and, and hearts and that fuzzy feeling down below is telling you. This is a great fight. Minus 150, Fazeev, your betting favorite, according to our friends at Caesars, plus 125, Gamra. Luke, a lot to love about this fight. What are you getting all heavy and hard for? Because it's gross. You know, it's really weird. Right? Uh, so- Milf. Um But to answer the question that you're, you're posing here, I would say this is a great fight for a lot of reasons. The biggest one is this is a huge fight, not just for both guys, which we often say, but definitely for Fazeev. We have already seen Gamrot back. He had the very close fight against Jalen Turner, but he did bounce back. He did get the W. There is some controversy about it, but in general, of course, he got back in the win column after losing to Benil Dariush. Fazeev, this would be his first fight since losing to Justin Gaethje. Now, Justin Gaethje, of course, went on to knock out Dustin Poirier to become the BMF champ and has really had a big resurgence that the win over Fazeev was a big part of. Um, so that's one element of the storylines. But you see, the other element of the storylines is, you know, I definitely was one of the guys who was hyping, like, this turnover that's going to happen at lightweight. And some of it already happened, already happened, and some of it, I think, will happen a little bit later. But some of it was delayed. Gamrot didn't quite turn that corner. Fazeev hasn't yet quite turned that corner. They've gotten pretty far. Yeah. They've gotten pretty far. But they haven't really upset the true power structure in the way that Islam obviously has or something like that. This is a chance to get a win over a, either way. Whoever wins, it's a quality win because you're fighting quality opponents. And I wonder, not so much for the loser, but for the winner to get really back on track to see if they can upset that existing 155 power structure. Great fight, great stakes, great main event for the Apex. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, Fazeev coming at number six under the UFC lightweight rankings. Gamrot number seven. Before we get to some sound from these guys, Luke, do you feel that Gamrot with a split decision win over the Tarantula put himself back in track? Is he entering this with the right momentum, or did you still have questions from that performance? The problem that Gamrot has is not that he doesn't have great cardio or great control. It was that sometimes resisting opponents have made it very difficult for him to get any meaningful ground and pound off. Fazeev looks like he's going to be one of those guys, but Fazeev can be taken down. Justin Gaethje took him down. Rafael Dos Anjos got him down twice, albeit on 16 attempts. But, you know, Gamrot's good for that. So it's a real striker versus grappler kind of thing. But the big move for Gamrot is not getting the win over Jalen Turner, who I thought was a little bit overmatched for that place of his career, but himself turning the corner as a guy who can get more reliable ground and pound in a wider range of scenarios. That has that has eluded him a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one big time. Uh, our own CBS Sports and Morning Combat colleague, correspondent Shaquille Majuri caught up with Raphael Fazeev. Luke, before we throw to this, I just want to warn you, Fazeev is wearing eyewear that looks like a cross between like early 20th century flight goggles from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and like um, Dahmer specs. It's a little bit weird. I don't know what he's trying to do um, style-wise with this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to judge that afterwards. But here is Raphael Fazeev talking to one Shaquille Majuri on the Shaq MMA channel about 
the game plan ahead for Gamera? I think it's not. Uh, I think for him it's not not too easy to take me down. But if he if, if he take me down, I get ready to stand up and uh, and staying with me on stand up like when I'm trying to stay calm and control my emotions and fight smart. Mm. Uh, I think it's not easy to everybody on this division. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is MMA. If he take me down, I have to, I, I stand up. I'm ready for this. If he take me down like 200 times, I get ready to stand up like 201. With all respect to our colleague Shaq, I didn't hear a damn word that uh, Fazeev just said, Luke, because those glasses were so ridiculous. What are we doing here? You know how Jerry Seinfeld has comedians in cars getting yes. coffee? Yes. I'm just going to have a show where, like, you know, fighters in cars doing interviews. That's um, because that's what they all do in these they days. Love that. They're busy. Uh, his sunglasses, they're a little steampunk, don't you think? I don't understand what's is that. Is there function behind? Like, there's look like a little computer on the side. Like, or is it, is there like, can you take pictures of Maybe he's got like, uh, maybe it's like Google Glass. Remember the assholes who wore that yes. like 10 years ago? Yes, yes. Uh, all of them deserve to get punched in the fucking face, but uh, I don't know if they maybe did. Maybe he's a pilot like Antonina is. She got her license, she's got a license to fly. With those glasses? I've never seen her. MMA fighters are, are strange about their sunglasses. There was one guy in Bellator years ago. I forget his name. He would immediately, when the fight was over, put on, like, pink sunglasses, but they would encompass, like, half of his face. And, he, and he, you know, he was one of these guys who, like, believes in the power of rocks and shit. Like, you know, just totally, Crystals, baby. Just totally unscientific bullshit. But he was like, you know, it, it emits a certain kind of light ray into my eyes to regulate my mood. And I'm like, I don't think it does any of that, but... If it makes you happy, congrats. Um, look, there's a lot more that has gone on in this life that uh, cannot be explained by science. Actually, that one can. And then there is uh, no good one for what he's so, suggesting. You know, you're either in, Luke, or you're out. <laughs> right. uh, also, Fazeev talked about what he's tasked to do here, rebound from the lost. How many, times, how many times did Shaq text Fazeev to get this interview okay, this is, over under on 75 you're, now you're just being a dick I mean Shaq's a good dude I mean yeah he's got that whole cow moo thing on the side with the EDM and the like well, let's party without drugs and you know it's commendable right who the fuck wants to party without drugs what a waste of a party okay. uh, let's hear how what Fazeev has to say here about rebounding from defeat I'm 100% sure like I'm this is my fight it's everything like everything I can do like whatever I want you know, takes me down. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Like hundred percent. Like it's too much. It start to playing with me. Some another, another side. You know, and uh, that's why I, I don't, 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 uh, don't control my emotions, and uh, like fire inside to control me. You know, this fire is very control my fight, not like not my brain. Little known fact: in an airplane, the pilot sits in what's called now a cockpit because of. Lucky Lindy, after flying across the Atlantic, Luke, he was a chick magnet, and that meant, you know, in all areas, in the in the plane, in the, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. You ever seen the, you ever seen a grown man naked? Yeah. You ever seen the inside of a cockpit? Okay, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you have to be over 40 to get that. I, I know you're doing airplane bits. All I right. know. Uh, movie airplane. I know. Luke, the mentality here of uh, Lucky, of uh, Lindbergh, of, of Fazeev, um, and you can watch that full interview and hear about Fazeev's flight patterns on the Shaq MMA channel. Uh, he seems to be in a good spot coming off of that defeat and ready. I mean, do you want him to come out like a killer? Just a little bit. Uh, no, I want a little bit refined. A little bit refined Fazeev is a is a 
is a title contender. He's pretty refined. It's interesting. Like, he didn't stop RDA until later in the fight, but with the fight with Gaethje, he kind of faded down the stretch. So there's a question about it there. Obviously, the takedown defense is going to have to be on point. But, you know, up to this point, Vaziv has looked great. Um, physical for the weight class. Not huge, but still pretty physical, quick, powerful, great combinations, great accuracy, good athleticism. Remember, he had the big matrix dodge of the kick. Like, he's got a lot of great things. But to your point, it just needs to be tightened up and... Um, he, by the way, he already has 90% takedown defensive rate. Like he has a lot, so he's got a lot of good things, but I wonder what happened in the, in that Gaethje fight, the focus. I wonder if the training was a little bit different. There definitely was a bit of a back to the drawing board moment. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's kind of that. like a leveling out where it's like Fazeev showed huge flashes, but then you fight a guy who's just been there a million times and right. you fought a great game plan and made the adjustments. You learn from that and you grow. He'll be back. You yes. get dominated in that, but that's a lesson. That's a, there's a lesson to be learned. Embrace defeat, Luke in life, please. Oh, I've been doing nothing but embracing L's. I, t- I took a huge L this morning and a huge dump. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's, a, that's a, Okay, uh, let's go to the co-main event, Luke. And this is a very interesting <laughs> featherweight tilt, not just because of the matchup here, but for Bryce Mitchell. Ten months removed from that devastating loss to Ilya Taporia, the initial reaction of maybe considering retirement. He'll be taking on a Dan Ige who's riding a two-fight win streak just when I counted them out after that three-fight losing streak against, well, you know, against high-level talent. Ige's rising. Mitchell needs to return and remind us. But, Luke, I, I don't, we don't try to get into this, but there's a, a video out there that, of Mitchell aggressively attacking the door of his ex-girlfriend. And, there, I mean, there's some, there's some other drama outside of the cage that, that could still be in the headspace of Bryce Mitchell you got to believe that's only going to further add to like what he needs to prove that he's still that guy coming off of that first defeat, right? Yeah, it's hard to know what all that means except to say it looked like that relationship was, to borrow the word that Gen Z uses every time, toxic. Not not a great not a great situation. But okay, neither here nor there. I mean, listen, I thought you set it up the right way, which was remember after Taporia beat him, which is the last time we have seen him. There were some other fights that were scheduled, the Evloev the Evloev fight and and a couple other guys, I believe, but. We haven't seen him since then. And after that fight, he was like, I mean, he didn't quite say it this way, but he's like, dude, the ass whooping was so bad. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Now, what is he still 28? I think he's still a young guy. So there's plenty of room for him left. And again, he's one of these guys that's got that Dagestani grappling style, wrapping the legs, shelving them, and then going ground and pound on top. He got a nice win of Edson Barboza doing exactly that. So there's still a lot of hope and a lot of promise if he's got the right you know, space up here and he's put in the right kind of training environment because he's shown tremendous skills. But Dan Ige, he dared to be great and I think fell a little bit short with those losses, but he's had two rebound wins, one a little bit more pedestrian than the other, but he had the good win over Nate Landwehr and he is a well-schooled fighter. We're talking about Eric Nixon coming off this great win with as a coach for Sean Strickland. On fire. Dan Ige has been his like longest running project so, and Dan Ige, I think, is still very young as well. So we are talking about two guys who still, I don't think, have really gotten close to their full potential. They're both trying to rebuild in different ways and in different stages, but they're trying to get back to a different place that they really have their sights set on top five, basically. Um, this win won't put them there, but the winner of this, it's like the main event. It's a quality win in either direction, and it really says a lot about their well, future. Well, the Vegas odds represent the situation, I think, very well. They love sort of the the overall skill set and the upside of Bryce Mitchell, making him a minus 210 favorite. Respect, though, given to the rising, again, Ige at plus 175. Ige's coming on, but if Bryce Mitchell is still Bryce Mitchell, he should win this matchup. But why I love the matchmaking is... 
He might not, Luke. Who knows? Who knows where he's at? Right? Dan Ige is much more well-rounded. But Bryce Mitchell, ha- and while more lopsided, is a little bit more, um, I think, dangerous in that department. Uh, so it's, again, like the main event, kind of a striker versus grappler scenario. Although, it should be said, Dan Ige is a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. Um, so, it, you know, that doesn't really tell the full story. But it's just hard to imagine Bryce Mitchell winning on the feet. Well, I, think we, I think we could say that. That win when he when he came back immediately off that losing streak and knocked out Damon Jackson, that was it was an eye opener and certainly into the to the pop that he can bring in the right moment. But I, I kind of feel like he needs to be that aggressive guy early against Bryce Mitchell. If you're not sure exactly where Bryce Mitchell's at, long layoff, tough loss, a lot going on. You got you got to bring the pace and you got to bring the power. And you got to do what Ilya Taporia did, which is you got to have confidence in your grappling. Yeah, confidence in your wrestling. You know, Danny Gay, I do think is more well rounded, uh, and and but is still good in those two departments. He has to believe in them, and I think if he does and he has the right game plan, it, it could go well. Luke, also a women's strawweight tilt of notable names here as Marina Rodriguez looks to kind of put it all back together again taking on the always venerable Michelle Waterson Gomez, who you could give her credit for being able to package some wins of late and, and linger and still be in fights exactly like this. But, Luke, uh, is this the potential for the 36-year-old Rodriguez to snap a two-fight losing streak and remind us that she's still there? Or, or are there any other ways you're looking at this matchup? Yeah, I mean, they already fought before, right? This was a main event back in, what, 2019, something like that? And Rodriguez... Yeah, uh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, Rodriguez was decidedly better. Um, but she's older now. She's 36. She's, I don't, oh, yeah, that was 2021. You're right. 2021, sorry. Five-round unanimous decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so this is a bit of a running that one back. Both of them are a little bit older and longer in the tooth. To me, this is a little bit more about what they have left rather than the two previous cases where we're talking about we haven't seen their best. I think in both cases with, with Waterson, Gomez, and Rodriguez, we have seen their best, and that, is, that day has probably come and gone. But they still might be talented enough to get some wins and be in some relevant fights. This will help decide that a little bit. Yeah, Rodriguez is a solid favorite to open here, though, at minus 300, plus 240 for Waterson, Gomez, the veteran. Um, you know, Luke, 37 years old. I mean, she's, kind of, she's been old for a while, and... and she is on a three-fight losing streak and has lost five of her last six. So so me talking her up in the beginning may not feel that way, but I feel like she's in a lot of these fights. Like, it's still in her. She's always been small for the for the 115 when she steps up against elite opponents. But could she surprise you here with a win? She could. Rodriguez has fallen on hard times. If, there, she, if she were to get a, a win, this would be the window. Two um, split decision losses in that stretch overall for Watterson Gomez. So she's in these fights. She's competitive. Yeah. Just hasn't had enough. Yeah, it's just tough because uh, Rodriguez has good takedown defense and is better on the feet. And so you're like, where do you go from there? Could get It could happen. I don't think it's a, a mismatch or anything like that, but probably an uphill climb. All right. Uh, what else is jumping out at you, I mean, in the, on this card? What gets, you know, the, the hardcore fan in you fired up? Is it the Hannah Goldie-Mizuke uh, fight? Mizuke fight? Yeah, I was going to text you. It was like, Hannah Goldie is back on this card, BC. Surely this is enough to, uh, you know, put your pants around your ankles on that She's one. lost three of four, Luke, in the UFC. So is this a, is this a make-or-break type of opportunity in your Probably. Uh, I would say there's a couple of interesting ones. The Hikardo Hamosh versus Charles Jordan fight is kind of interesting. Um, also, Tim Means, Andre Fialio at welterweight is probably going to be a bit of a dog fight. And um, Cody Brundage has lost three in a row, but he doesn't make bad fights, Luke. And Jacob Malkoon, one of the guys out of Robert Whitaker's camp. So uh, Muhammad Usman, also the brother of Kamaru on this uh, taking on Jay Collar, who used to be a middleweight and now is just a big old heavyweight. 
Cody Brundage, one half of the MMA power couple, aligned with who? I couldn't. I, if my life depended on it, I couldn't tell really? you. Really? Yeah. ABC Nation. Amanda Bobby Cooper. Come on. I forgot she existed. I, 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 wow. No, I'm just, I'm being honest. Looks like if they didn't shit in the cage, I probably forgot about them, right? Probably, that's probably true, yes. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. It only happened once, though, right? <laughs> At least on this on the female side that we're known. Asuario Silva took a dump. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, was it a, Tim Silva took a dump when fighting Asuario Silva. Did we know it that he did, though? Yeah, it was live TV. It was a really boring think, fight. I watched that live. And his dungarees looked just like an I absolute mean, mess. I, I obviously understand where I'm sitting, I'm the key, I'm the basement keyboard warrior. I'm the journalist. I'm the not, you know, I wasn't rolling with uh, Roxanne and your wife for 15 years. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't in that, that, uh, that uh, menage, uh, jujuts, if you will. Right, <laughs> it's just a cross pollination of all worlds, right? Yep. But Luke, what is the most embarrassing thing that can happen in that cage when you put it all on the line for viral, the viral world to watch? Is it getting knocked out cold by somebody you shouldn't? Or is it getting choked out and dropping a load <laughs> and it gets smeared all over the cage? Yeah, dude, if you get knocked out and then <laughs> shit yourself, <laughs> I mean, are you? I mean, the commission fair. should take away your license it's to fight after It's not fair for us to laugh about this, Luke. These are warriors. These are people that put it on the line for our entertainment. I mean, all that's true, Luke. But how do you not laugh at that? That's the most, like... That's that's awesome. I know. Do you imagine I mean, getting... she shit her pants on the UFC fight? Yeah, but she didn't get she didn't shit her pants getting choked out, did she? I thought she just shit her she pants. She fought off the choke, and I think she may have went out during it. And then, oh and, uh... no, no. I mean, you just get like either like completely put out or you know completely choked out, and then you're convulsing and you know just shit flying. That would be. Oh, how about remember that remember that guy we saw who got hit on the sidelines and then he fell and then his pants fell the whole <laughs> yeah, time? Yeah, that old high school. So reporter. imagine okay, so let's love it one more time. You get hit so hard you get knocked out of your shorts and then you just shit on the cage. <laughs> okay. That went like way too far. Like I was already really on the warning track of trouble and you're you like You said worst case scenario. That seems <laughs> You're like, can we get a Dutch oven in there? Let's see how bad we can make it. Seems this. pretty bad. Wow. All right. That'll ha- that'll wrap up our, our preview coverage there of uh, UFC fight night. But Luke, topic number four. We got more MMA this weekend, and we got Bellator doubling. It's two ninety nine for the for the promotion here. And how about the middleweight title in the main event? Johnny Eblen, he's not just coming the hell on. I mean, he's doing things here with this middleweight strap around him. Fabian Edwards, though, the brother of Leon Rocky, getting his opportunity. Luke Thomas, how much of a shot do you give Fabian Edwards in this matchup? Not much. Johnny Eblen has a... Uh, Credible claim to be the best middleweight in the world. There's debate about that. People I'm not, are going to be an uproar over that. Is that is that a slight at Deshaun Strickland or what do you where we're we going with this? Well, they train together, so I bet that they're probably pretty competitive with one another. Uh, obviously, Eblin's going to be much more of a wrestler. I don't think Eblin could stand with Sean Strickland on the feet, but it probably helps to train with him and vice versa. Sean Strickland actually has good takedown defense, so I'm guessing that they have made each other better by virtue of that. Who's better? If you want to say it's Sean Strickland, that's fine. I guess it's not in any way. Um, Ironclad, but I do think he's got a claim at it. Why are you smirking? I, well, first of all, I smirk. A you lot. do this. You go. <laughs> what is that? Sometimes you say things that trigger, you know, hilarious responses in my mind. But I have to try to filter: is it just hilarious to me, or is it hilarious to the globe? You know what I mean. In that case, it was really funny deep inside, but okay. I, I couldn't share it though. Yeah. In any case, he does have a claim to be a bare minimum top three middleweight. I think in the world, uh, he's very, very, very good, very gifted. Mostly a wrestler, as you can see, but fantastic cardio, good ground and pound, 
Um, and just the relentless pursuit of the fight. It keeps him not only in it, it just overwhelms everyone. He has great technical answers. He's developed quite a bit. Um, Fabian Edwards should definitely lose this fight. That isn't, you know, Eblin could get... MMA's fucking wild and unpredictable. We just saw Sean Strickland, you know, route Izzy. So... Anything's possible, but Eblin should win this one and should win it fairly easily, I think. Maybe an Edwards riding a three-fight win streak. That came after consecutive defeats, one to Austin Vanderford, but then he knocks out Leota Machida and takes decisions from Charlie Ward and Gegard Mousasi. The, the Mousasi one obviously elevating him yes. to a new level here. Uh, is he... He's, he, I mean, he's Frank Stallone, considering his brother is the UFC welterweight champion. Yeah, he's a good fighter. But how good? How good is he? The problem is it's like he had the win over... Um, what was the first one before Charlie Ward? It was Machida. Machida, old. Charlie Ward, not of the level. And then Musasi, of the level, but also old. So his two biggest wins over names were against guys who were kind of past it when he fought them. Now, that's not his fault, but it just makes us incapable of assigning tremendous value to it because of their age and sort of the washedness of their respective states of their careers when they fought. So a good fighter. He's certainly a better striker probably than Johnny Eblen, but I, be, I bet Eblen's going to be all over him. Eblen 13-0, uh, and 0, the last eight of those since joining Bellator in 2019, fresh off that decision over Anatoly Tokov, who was a tough out in his first title defense two fights ago, of course, took the title from Musasi. So Eblen, a rising star here, Luke. This will go down. Uh, do you know the start time on Showtime? Uh, I, I'm going to find it here. Give me just a second. Uh, I will. That is, of course, uh, September 23rd. You know the crowd's going to be pumped up there. And then the co-main event, we get Aaron Pico back in the building here, taking on the veteran Pedro Carvalho. Uh, just a reminder here on the odds for the main event, excuse me, Fabian Edwards plus 360, the underdog according to Caesars, minus 470 is Eblin. But in this main, this co-main event, we get to continue the Aaron Pico experience. Luke, I thought he would have fought for a title by now. I know he did have the shoulder hiccup there against Jeremy Kennedy, but Pico did come back and beat James Gonzalez by unanimous decision. This is a you know another sort of let's find out where he's at. Pedro Carvalho, a veteran, still only 28 years old, by the way, coming off a decision loss of his own to Jeremy Kennedy, but he had beaten Mads Burnell before that. So, Luke, it's not going to be for a title. That might be soon, although I, we obviously have to talk about the elephant in the room of Bellator's future and the, 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 the heavy rumors of the last 24 hours of the potential of a sale to PFL. But what is really here for Aaron Pico? What are we looking for in this matchup against, again, a very credible guy in Pedro Carvalho? I just realized, by the way, that Pedro Carvalho was supposed to fight Hassan Askabov in 2022. That's one of the brothers that got arrested for allegedly being involved in the kidnapping and torture of that guy, the Italian guy. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, I'll say this. I actually really like this fight for Aaron Pico, not because I think it's easy, but because I think it will be difficult in the right way. Pedro Carvalho has been up and down if you look at his record, but he's got wins over Daniel Weishel, a longtime mainstay in the Bellator featherweight division, and Mads Burnell, who gave uh, Adam Boric you know, everything he could handle in a, in a pretty great fight. He's got wins over both of those guys. I mean, he does have the loss to Jeremy Kennedy. You know, he is, as I mentioned, a little bit inconsistent. But when he's on, he's pretty good. Those are great names. By the way, Vaishal and Burnell are fighting each other on this card, which should also be a good fight. This is one above that. So I think for Aaron Pico, the, the, the rebuild has been in play for four years. We thought it was going to take a turn towards a championship at the Jeremy Kennedy fight, but then he got dislocated. They were yanking on his arm, and it was a whole thing. I think it picks back up if he can get the win with Pedro Carvalho. If he can't beat Pedro Carvalho, by the way, after all of this time to rebuild, he can't win a title. 
he cannot win a title. Yeah, I'm always fired up to see Pico. There's no question about that under any circumstance. Um, I like the growth. I like the rebound from the shoulder situation, which could have been very, very dicey if it had gone wrong. The odds are minus 1,000 in the direction of Pico, though, plus 650 for Calvallo. Um Jeez, that's a little much. It is. It is that's a, a little, little much. much. Uh, you also could see Pico taking him down and ground upon him in a hole in the canvas, though. You 100%. also could see that, no 100%. doubt about it. Uh, Luke, a lot of names, by the way. So Sinead Kavanaugh, also <laughs> on his main card. She always draws a big crowd and makes all-action fights. She'll be taking on Sarah Collins. You mentioned Burnell and Vaishal. Uh, Levon Chokali against Sabaho Masi in the opener, Luke. That's going to bang, bang, bang. That's right? going to bang. He has to win over uh, Roman Feraldo, who's like a highlight reel himself. Um, until, that, until he wasn't, Luke. Until he wasn't, but he's going to be back at it pretty soon. But so, No, he's on this card. This un- Where is he? This he's on the bottom of the card? This card has names. Feraldo's taking on Luca Poklet, Luke? Poklet? Uh, Poklet. Poklet. Uh, J.J. Wilson and Mansour Barnawi. Peter Queeley. That's a sick fight, dude. Mansour Barnawi and J.J. Wilson. J.J. Wilson, one of the preeminent Kiwi talents, not in the UFC, that is in MMA. Um, that's a fun one. That's a really dude, fun there's one. There's like 35 fights on this card. You can and also it? the brother of Magomed uh, Sharipov, um, uh, Zabit, his brother Hassan Magomed Sharipov is on this card oh, as well. Wait, 21 fights in all, in all on this card. Did you find the start time on that? So the start time for the card overall is 11 a.m. East. On on Showtime YouTube. That will on be Saturday. On Friday. On Friday. Friday. Okay. I had that screwed up in my head. Friday. The prelims start on YouTube at 11 a.m. in the East, which means the main card probably goes live around three or four. We'll have to double check. All right. Uh, well, I want to make sure we have the right day, Luke, as well. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It's Saturday. It's Saturday, 923. Okay. So it's not Friday, which I just told the people. Yeah. Basically. It's Saturday. Okay. Saturday, it's going to go down, guys. Wow. This is just. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you get paid to host. We are. I mean, this thing's just flaming. Um, Luke, is the PFL going to be, is the Smart Cage going to be the new employer here? Or, or what about the rumors of, of two leagues? We are not getting this internal information. We haven't heard a peep, but you hear the rumors. You've talked to people in the industry. Yeah. Like, what should, like, I mean, will Pico ever get a chance to fight for the Bellator title if he wins here? If Pico? Yeah, or is he going to be fighting for the Smart Cage Championship? <laughs> the Ask Jeeves Championship? I have to tell you, so yes, I have heard that, because I saw some reports that, uh, you know, oh, like Bellator was going to fold or something like that. So I looked into it, and everyone I talked to was like, no, the opposite is about to happen, uh, that the deal is almost done. I don't know exactly what took so long, but uh, a few of the folks I spoke to were pretty adamant that it is it is reaching its completion. It is, re- is about to arrive at the station. Much like my train, it was very delayed, but it did arrive. Um, I will tell you, though, the idea that you should keep the brand separate, there, there might be some monetization scheme about that that I don't understand in ways in which keeping the brand separate is a better way to generate revenue. But Unless there is some kind of play in that, it is a cataclysmically horrific idea. It, there is z- it, zero good about keeping the brands separate. Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, you have two brands. I mean, one is being sold, right, and by, purchased by the other one. And the other one doesn't move the needle in MMA. So you have two brands. But there's roster value. Legit- 100%. 100%. So what I'm like saying you as pro- would want to combine that. I'm saying as promotional entities, neither can succeed, it looks like, on their own. I'm making a bit of an assumption, but I'm saying one's being bought and one is doesn't do tremendous ratings and otherwise doesn't make money. You're going to keep them separate rather than using their comparative advantages to make a stronger organization that could mutually solve for a lot of problems. What? 
I mean, it makes absolutely no sense what, whatsoever. Yeah, unless there's a play right around the corner that explains that, which I just can't see right now. I mean, unless... There might be, but like the value of the Bellator brand, as best I can tell, if you're the PFL, is not just to keep a brand that you know uh, fans are sentimentally attached to. There, there might be some of those folks, but the real value, as far as I can tell, is they've got a huge library... Uh, which could be valuable in any number of reasons, and they've got a great roster. All right, would you be okay if there was a plan where four pay-per-views a year, they all bring their best fighters together? I, I'm, there's, there's no doubt that over time there will be demand for crossover. There might be some crossover this immediately. Feels very pro wrestling. Let's create yes. two brands, and then we'll we'll invade each other. Yeah, or, or maybe they're maybe they're they're worried about antitrust or something. I don't I don't know. But, but I'm just saying, if there's no antitrust, if there's no we can make more money by separate, if there's not in play and they're just thinking it's better to keep the brands separate because the brands will do better separate, it's like, on what fucking planet is that true? Because it's not this one. And this one, they need each other to compete with UFC, to fill in the gaps about where one is strong and where one is weak and vice versa. And together, I do think, BC, yeah. if they combine everything... I do think they have a very different, uh, you know, a hand that they're playing with. But you just keep them separate. You're just going to prolong whatever existing issues exist between them. It's, it's and it appears utterly that nonsensical. That PFL is done with ESPN as far as what, how we uh, have heard at the end of the year. So if there was a combining of the rosters, you know they're going to launch this pay-per-view division, they call it. But just, you know, I mean, that, that's got to be an attractive pickup for a network to go after, whoever it is. You know? Yes, Yes, I, I think I think I mean PFL, one way or the other, is going to land on their feet. Where I don't know, I don't know exactly what it's all going to look like. But if they get, they're going to get a television deal, some kind of good one, and they're going to have access to belts or whatever they end up doing with it. They're going to be in a great position. I, if there, anyone from PFL is watching, do not put the brand separately. That is a gigantic, gigantic. While you have mistake. their attention. Do you have anything to say about the miles per hour on the screen, like? His his saggy nipple moved at you know I mean is that too much information? His titty flap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean it's just 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 filling up the screen with numbers Dude, that I want don't the, improve the broadcast at if all. If PFL's listening and they and they get it, can we get the first interview with the smart cage? They have to provide a voice. There's got to be a kid. If they tell us voice. there's no interview with the smart cage, we need. To I don't the think first that one. smart cage is very smart. Dude, we could put that on like Patreon pay per view. Us interviewing the smart cage would be fantastic, right? It has to sound like Night Rider. Exactly. Dude. That's what I'm hoping. You know, Hasselhoff isn't that big anymore. At least not in Germany. Maybe hit. Maybe. You know what? I could get in the. But smart he wasn't cage the voice, and right? I could eat the burger all sloppy. Yes. Like that one time yes. I wanted to motherfucking kill you. Luke Bellator still announcing big fights. By the way, you know how we talked about that November seventeenth Chicago Bellator three hundred one card that had Amoslav. I'm I'm actually a Slav. Yaroslav Amoslav, Jason Jackson in the main event. Sergio Pettis, Patty Mix, sick fight. You know, Stott Sabatello two and Pitbull Shabli. This is. Patricky Pitbull, we now also have AJ McKee, Sydney Outlaw on that main card. Yeah. Dude, that's that's pretty that's a bad. Hey, it's fight. full steam ahead for Bellator. But that fight in particular is a badass fight, right? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, for me, the crown jewel is definitely Sergio Pettison and uh, Apache Mix, but it's full steam ahead for Bellator. This is what I mean. Can you imagine taking all that and putting it together with PFL, changing some of their format? You could do a lot with that. Just keeping them separate. Dude, for do what? you think Outlaw can can hang with McKee here? McKee will, can sometimes fight up or down to competition, but I think he's overall a little bit better. Well, yes, yes, that's the truth. But I'm saying, can Outlaw hang in there yes. and make this a fight? That yes, would be interesting yes. to find out. I mean, Spike Carlisle kind of had a bit of a back and forth with A.J. McKee. So, yeah. 
Great TV fighter. Great. The, the, one of the best. The best. One of the best. the best. Topic number five, uh, Luke, is certainly a, a, a solemn note, but also hopefully potentially an encouraging and inspirational one. So Angela Lee of One Championship um, what was the website that she posted this Players on? Tribune on the Players Tribune? Yeah. And of course, this got more exposure once she did an interview with uh, ESPN's Daniel Cormier. A couple things she opened up about. Uh, first and foremost, uh, a, a, a suicide attempt of her own uh, via vehicle of an accident she had back in 2017, subsequently confirming the rumors also that her younger sister, who also fought with one, as do the, their older brother Christian, um, Victoria. Victoria that her death recently was also a suicide and Angela Lee's statements throughout this Players' Tribune feature and uh, the videos that we've seen on the uh, One Championship social that they shared is really about a message of opening up her own mental health struggles using the tragedy of her sister to hopefully try to move, um, you know, everyone listening. And Luke, this is, a, a, a God, it's so sad, but yet I'm really encouraged by the strength uh, of Angela Lee here to open it up and be this honest about her family situation, about her own situation and hoping, hopefully, you know, paving the road toward healing for a lot of people, Luke, that are connected to this because it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, it's, um, it is heartbreaking. Um, obviously her younger sister, Victoria was incredibly young. Uh, suicide is always tragic, but it is especially so when someone is young who might be catastrophizing their life in ways that they shouldn't. Um, so that is just, you know, deeply, deeply, um, depressing if I can, if I can be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I will say, I want to say a couple things about this if we can. The first thing I wanted to say was, I mean, the level of bravery that it takes to author something like that in public is extraordinary. Um, especially in MMA where people have just incredibly awful retrograde deeply unscientific ideas about mental health. Um, and there is much more of a culture of either shunning any kind of mental health professional work or that it's even a problem or that this is something that otherwise can be handled with willpower. All of things that, I mean, just the worst remedies for actual mental health problems you could imagine circulate and hold currency in this world. And here she is, uh, showing a degree of vulnerability and an admission of truth, as best we understand it, that is the opposite of that. I cannot commend her more for doing that. I think it's incredibly important that people see a living example of what it looks like to struggle with some of these things. You, people, I had someone write when I had tweeted about this that like someone goes, "I think I thought only losers, you know, tried to take their own life," and it's like that's not an accurate assessment of who tries to do that. That is a completely caricature, caricatured or uh, that version of things is a caricature of what it actually looks like. Um, so I really have just great admiration for her bravery. I will say, though, there's a couple of troubling things about this that stood out to me. Now, I don't know what to attribute this to, BC, so I'm not going to declare I have some idea. But if we have a, uh, a home, or in this particular case, a family, where two siblings have uh, attempted suicide, and, you know... Um, one thing you realize about suicide is the method by which someone tries it often tells you about how they viewed themselves. And um, so that car where she was floating and felt free, like there was a way she was negotiating her pain through that process. Yeah. I don't know what method, nor is it my business, what her sister picked. But I'm simply saying that if you have two siblings who have tried it, 
Um, I don't know what's going on in their lives. That really drives it. Uh, Angela was discussing the pressure from not being able to make weight. Um, but that seems like a bit of a red flag to me, if I could just sure. be honest. Um, people, I don't want people to feel shame if they've toyed with these ideas before, but in a hyper-competitive uh, sport and in a family that all of these people are headed in the same direction, if two of them are showing up like this, I don't know what questions need to be asked. I'm not close enough there, but I would say some further investigation of that or some further understanding of that was, is, is necessary. Um, and I think the last thing I'd say is just sort of beyond it all that um, I worry about people in a line of work so early in life dealing with these kinds of pressures when also taking head trauma. Now, that seems like a little bit paternalistic. I'm not in any way saying that they shouldn't fight. In fact, it probably would be good for her to get back to it. Um, and I think her brother feels probably the same, although, again, I cannot speak for him. But I do worry, again, we've got two siblings who have really toyed with this one who's ultimately succeeded, unfortunately, and they're in a line of work where you're not just your cognitive ability but your mood regulation and your capacity for rational thought can all be impacted by taking head trauma I, I don't know what the right answer is, BC, but I'd be lying if I didn't have some additional concerns around the life that they live and to what extent it contributed to these factors. Because she's making it like, oh, I internalized all of these pressures. True. But why were they so acute to you? Right. Um, well, I think there's certainly a, a crossover global message here about the importance of mental health and, and her being that vulnerable to show people that even somebody who's looked at, you know, world champion looked at as as sort of an idol is – going through just that. But I think you're right. Even deeper, um, you'd like to see this, the, the, the prospect of mental health being taken in the combat sports world, particularly as we look at, like, look at how much, you know, the UFC PI open, offers to, to fighters with, you know, nutrition, discipline, and training and all of that. I don't know what, what is built in there from, you know, a mental health standpoint as well, but you, you'd hope to see that across the board in combat sports treating that recognizing the pressures of being on top, recognizing the fact that, you know, one slip up and you're a viral video on shows like this and we're all laughing it up and having a good time and how much pressure that does bring and how much that can, you know, run into somebody's mental health, especially when you consider head trauma and how that affects it. Um, it's something we certainly need to, need, to, need, to be, need to take so much more seriously when we hear or see potential red flags, right? And also, like, for folks who didn't read the story, she was 12 pounds over two weeks out and the pressure from that... Uh, it's it's more than that, but basically the pressure from that forced her to attempt suicide. Like, like the amount of shame that goes into the kind of decision making for like suicide to be a rational in your mind anyway, a rational choice to handle that is. I mean, that isn't that is a tsunami of shame. Sure. Um, if you're if if you're experiencing that kind of shame. Again, it's I'm, I, I could not commend her more for telling her story, but it sounds to me like the work's not done. Yeah. Uh, she's the defending one atomweight champion, although I think obviously at this point that's not, you know, shouldn't be first, first and foremost on her mind. Uh, she hasn't given a, an indication, I don't believe, of her fighting future, but she's 27 years old. She last fought in October of last year. That was the trilogy with Zhang Jingdan, where she lost trying to become a two-division champion, but it was two months after that in December of last year that at age 18, Victoria Lee passed away, her sister. So um, I couldn't be, you know, pointing my heart stronger uh, 
in the direction of of, of love and, and support and prayers um, for the entire family moving forward. And, and, you know, the MMA community, Luke, and, and you know, that's what I'm saying. You, you can do nothing but applaud her to be that brave to come out here and and, and try to use her tragedy as as hope. And, you know, anytime you could take a, a, something that horrible and spin it into hopefully something good that can help people, yeah. I'm all for it. But. Yeah. Well, everyone in MMA, for the most part, offers bullshit solutions to problems. And here is not a bullshit one. This is a real one. Talking about it, opening yeah. up, having conversations about it, acknowledging mental health challenges. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the real shit. So anybody who's doing that has my support. Absolutely. Uh, let's keep it going here, Luke. And uh, we got to talk about a new show. You know about yeah, this? we do. Because we, we want to welcome a new show to the CBS Sports Podcast Network where you can find Morning Combat. And this one is going to be a banger, Tui. That's right, Tui. Kicking It is a new weekly podcast featuring hosts Kate Abdo. Shouts to Kate Abdo. She's the best. Clint Dempsey, Charlie Davies, and Mo Edu. You can listen, BC, as they connect with the biggest personalities from the soccer world, you fucking heathen. Football. Uh, and beyond, including episode one, which, by the way, drops tonight with the legendary, I mean the leg- part of the Invincibles at Arsenal, Thierry Henry. I prefer more of the work he did in the MLS and on the 98 <laughs> French team that I used on the EA Sports. Uh, uh, by the way, he's one of the best players in MLS history. That's a true thing. Uh, you can hear unfiltered conversations with the game's most familiar faces that take you beyond the pitch. So what the hell are you waiting for? Kick it with the crew and download Kicking It on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts. Do you know what's amazing about Kate Abdo? And I'm sure you experienced this too when you worked with her, because I wasn't there for Tank Ryan, but you weren't there for Spence Crawford, so we got to work with her individually. When the light goes on and the, the little light turns red, you and I are like, hey, everybody, hello, 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 hello. Well, yeah. She is just. She almost ooh. relaxes when yes. that happens. She's just like. She like doesn't bring the energy up. Well, in come on in. Way. Yeah. She keeps it right yeah. there. And, you know, I, I can't I can't heckle her at all because I've seen the footage of her working with Malik Scott. You know what I mean? The, her technique. I mean, she might be able to kick my ass, Luke. You know what I'm saying? It's not saying much. Uh, Luke, we uh, we've come up short of late on the fan sub, so what, you know we should probably finish strong here and give the people their chance. Let's bang to, to put to put their artwork on our fridge. So here's the deal: you email morningcombat at gmail and you find Mikey. And I know sometimes he censors your shit. We're also trying to keep the lights on in this place. I mean, but, dude, people will send straight up racist m- memes. Or just, and they'll be like, you didn't put dick. it on the yeah. show. It's like we can't uh, we can't do that. Yeah, we, we don't want to do, do that. Also, but. Uh, we give you a chance, though, to have your voice heard. I don't know. See a picture of your baby in a in a singlet that says MK on Whatever. I don't care. I mean, I love it. Right? It's called Fan Submissions. You've got, got mail. mail. Viewers. Viewers. What's up? Viewers. Uh, oh, Luke, here's, here's Dylan. He says, sup, Luke in BC. Big time donk out here in Denver. I slid into BC's DMs a while ago to try to convince the crew to come out and cover the one event this May. BC was down, but CBS probably wanted to avoid Margarita Luke bumping into Shatri at all costs. Wow. <laughs> this guy's taking an editorial. Anyways, I wanted Luke to rate the new tad I got at Denver's finest shop. Till death tattoo. No pressure, but this deer horn knife was an heirloom passed down to me from my grandfather when he passed away. He was a Filipino immigrant, and my love of combat sports started by watching Pac-Man fights growing up. Keep up the good work. Great work, guys. Luke, what do you think about Dylan's heirloom Filipino knife grandpa tribute? This is so, – don't he-boss this man. Don't not, do it. Uh, so put it, put it up on the screen one more time. Yeah. So I'm, this is generally a very good tattoo. 
Um, the shading is good. The the concept is good. Do you know the concept in American Traditional where the knife goes through the rose, BC? Are you aware of this? Um, is this a seal song you're trying to No, no, no. Like, you, there, you see different kinds of um, uh, iconography in American Traditional. Yes. Panthers, um, you know, hearts that are bleeding. That's funny because in Atlantic City, there's so many elderly women wearing sweatshirts with, like, wolves on it. Yes, it's kind of like that, only not at all. they have dream catchers? Yeah, they do car. have dream catchers. <laughs> yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is it's supposed to show the duality of life, both its pain and its, um, its, its not pleasure, but happiness. Um, usually the knife would be going through the rose. Okay. And I guess he's trying to show off the, the knife. So the tattoo is done well. It's a little conceptually muddled because what he has taken is supposed to be through the rose, not on top of it. But I guess you make an exception in this case because of it's the way in which he referenced it was for yes, his for grandpa. Uh, grandpa. Yeah. So in general, a nice tattoo. Um, I like it. I like it, dude. Thanks for sending it in. And uh, I would have loved to be out there in Denver with you and Chatri, but they didn't send me, you know. Does one ever send you like those packages in the mail with like gear and stuff? No, I'd love that. Yeah, they don't uh, send Chachi, me shit. If you're listening, dude, I'll wear your, your apprentice channel. I'll wear anything on this show, right? Yeah, you would. You are. What's old. the worst thing I've ever worn on this show in your eyes? Like the wor- the worst fashion moment in the history of BCMK. The hair dye. I mean, you look. Like, oh, the shoe polish. You look yeah, like yeah, Elvis yeah. about to die on the shitter. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's I the thought worst. you were going to go with the official shorts of Morning Combat. You know those blue and special. Those are bad, shirts. but you're doing a bit when you wear those. You kind of. Like I actually the wear those all around town yeah. all week. Yeah, that's great. Uh, let's go to Daniel. He's a P1 from the Bay Area, and he says, "Good day, gents. I have a rate my tat that should touch close to home for both of you. I got in. I got it in Bogota the day of UFC 236 in 2019 while I was quote Bogota. studying abroad, as BC would say." I got it spontaneously at one of the tattoo piercing strip malls in downtown from a Venezuelan kid for 200 bucks. Obviously, there's some flaws, but let's see if Luke can spot them all. All in all, I think the kid did a decent job. Thanks for the content and take care. Luke, he's a P1. Be nice to him. This is Colombia, right? Yeah, I mean, Columbia. I don't know why you would go to Colombia and pay 200 bucks I like that tat. Guy. That blue collar is the best part, right? That's uh, pretty this good. Tat's a bit of a, it's a little bit of a mess. It's a little bit of what a about mess. His, what about his areolas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, first of all, to all, to all of our viewers, I don't want to see your titties, okay? I just don't want to do that, number one. He number didn't have two. pizza pies, though. He's, he's all right. He's doing all right. I mean, right. here's the thing. It's not a horrible tattoo. It's not, I wouldn't say that. Put it on the screen one more time. But for example... If you look at the like the on the crown itself on the outside, the jewels and whatnot, not one of them looks like another one. They're all kind of mishmash sized. The thorn on the other side, like the script in that, is a little bit like wonky, right? They, where like the R and the N don't they, they look like Pac Man ghosts uh, running through the maze a little bit. Now the lions are pretty good, but even the red in the middle. Like the lining there, if you look closely, the, the spacing is uneven side to side on this one. So it's not a bad tattoo, but like, dude. <laughs> I like it. Well, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know anything. Dude, he was studying abroad in, in Colombia. You got to connect with dude, that, the Dude, right? I don't understand this. Uh, tattooing in Colombia is super high level and dirt fucking cheap. Why would you pay a Venezuelan surgery? guy 200 bucks off the fucking street to do that? It's Maybe like, it makes came no with a sense. lot of cocaine, Luke. Maybe there's elements of this story. And I know that's not a cocaine Columbia joke. It was the first drug I thought of. I'm, I'm a big Craig Jones fan. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, let's keep the show moving. Dude, Craig Jones posts about three things. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. 
nose beers yes. and how gay jujitsu is. Yeah, yeah. That's that is it. True. That is That's true. all he posts about. Uh, let's hear from Jack. Hey, Luke and BC, it's Jack again. That guy that Luke said my cable management was a three and my <laughs> life is a nine. And the guy that got BC to read my business name during a previous fan sub. Well, nothing has changed. Here's just a quick photo of me repping MK in Sydney at 293 last weekend. Thanks for all you guys do. Never go anywhere. Why does his face look like a firecracker exploded in it? Looks like uh, uh, Cody McKenzie, right? A little, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. My man, my man, by the way, has a, a sweater underneath that. You see that chest hair? Wow. Just peeking out. Uh, MK, he says MK all day, every day. He says don't ever go anywhere. I think he means don't quit the show. Luke, I can't quit you. Well, I would. I mean, you know, you're, you're challenging. You're super you. challenging, right? I mean, I think about it a lot, but, you know, I can't do it yet. Um, thank you, Jack. Uh, thank you. I, dude, This anytime someone's going to an arena repping us, you're going to a UFC fight and you're repping MK. Yeah. Like, dude, when I used to have that wrestling podcast, people would go to WrestleMania, hold up a sign with a joke that references something on the podcast that would, like, show up during the WrestleMania main event. Yeah. Those people, right? Tristan Atuliano, I know you. I mean, those people are amazing, Luke. Those are P1s, bro. Those are, those are the backbone of Let's the show. Let's go to Mark. Hey, friends, it's Mark from Vancouver. No metal concert this time, but instead a seaplane flight over Vancouver with my kids and my brother before the pay-per-view fights. Summer's coming to an end, but the fights are coming up that are super exciting, and I can't wait for you guys to break it all down. I've got nothing but love and respect. Yeah, I think he's saying that because he's posing with his family and he wants us to say nice things, but beautiful family this guy's got, right? Yeah, Vancouver's also a great place. <laughs> oh, look at this. At least this guy's great, man. You know, did you like his tat, his hand tat, too? Did you see that? I didn't get a great look at it. It's okay. I think we can show it one more time. Oh, you know? damn. Look at that. That's a beautiful look right there, that that backdrop with that. Yeah. Dude, that water in and around, like, the, the Canadian Rockies, that yeah. area is just crystal clear. Glad blue. to see the forest isn't on fire. Okay. Uh, here's Jesse G. Um, <laughs> producers. Here is my Buckethead tattoo for Luke to review. Oh, my God. Everyone's getting tattoos. Rate my tat, Luke. I became a Buckethead fan 15 years ago Ooh. when I was introduced to him by a guitar nerd friend of mine. I immediately became a huge fan of his music, his persona, and his avant-garde approach to music. Isn't that the same thing? In April, I cemented my fandom with this tat. It took eight-hour session and was done by artist Trip Lopez in Dana Point, California. I look forward to hearing Luke's thought on this art. Jesse G. Yeah, it's it's a good one. That's good. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a very good one. I mean, you get, again, you look at the lettering on this one. It's much cleaner. The line work, much cleaner. The shading, much cleaner. Did you know Buckethead has like 400 albums? Like, it's just prolific I, I've seen Buckethead shit. perform. Have you seen him perform? Not live, but remember that PBS special they had on where he did like an hour and a half by himself? It was amazing. No. I've watched that high school. No, I've, st I've seen Buckethead in person. He's ridiculous. He's on another level. Dude, he, you know how prolific he actually is? He's like Frank Zappa level prolific. It's like, it's like a new yeah, album a, every he's week He's like a guitar savant or something. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good tattoo. I mean, I don't... There's a lot of white shading on this as well, the white highlights, as you can see, like from the rooster's eyes, but uh, which is my a personal favorite, but it's a well-done tattoo. That it's a very, very well-done well. tattoo. Buckethead is weird as shit, though, Luke. You gotta be, yeah. He's got some retrograde stuff. I mean, the guy wears a hockey mask like Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles, yeah. and then he has a KFC bucket on his head. Do you know girls like guys that eat out, Luke, according to that <laughs> invitation from Wednesday's, from Monday's show? Yeah. Okay, let's go to At Sayers. Here's his Luke Baca artwork. <laughs> <laughs> this is more like Pandemic Luke than it is uh, yeah, Luke Baca. No but. chance you're nearly as loyal as Chewbacca. I look like Mike Francesa. That is <laughs> Dog, dog, dog. Number one. Yes, yes. Uh, let's hear from Mike. Our boy strikes again, goes on a rant about how talking about the Izzy dog situation is for virgins and proceeds to use it as a thumbnail. I so did, yeah. 
So Luke, um, he's taking you to task for being all against the whole Izzy banged his dog thing yes. and then using it for promotion, you filthy people. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could put up a story about uh, fight stats and people would watch it, but they won't. Oh, so you, you're saying this sounds like you sound like Bret Hart in the 90s where he was only a bad guy because tastes had changed. Right. Yeah. But the reality was he hated all this bullshit. You're like, if I can't beat him, I got to use them. Right. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Man. Uh, here's Michael. He says, hopefully the gel in Luke's hair didn't come from B.C. <laughs> oh, that's oh, good. That's so good. That's good. Dude, I looked like fucking death yeah, last you were time I was mean here. too. You were like all mean and shit. I'm, I'm sorry that I had to push through on like two hours of sleep over four days. I'm sorry, dude. I was, I only, doing, I was like, only doing my best. I love that you're like, hold on, guys. Before we do all this important work that we're here to do, I got to do this live chat. The live people. chat's easy. It didn't slow me down. That's dude, not you that. came out of the live chat room and you're like, I'm going to turn into a pumpkin any second. You bro- well, you, I was feeling like ass. I was feeling like ass. You know when what I got that's here. called? Huh. You not only let me down. Um, I, it, that's like that's like. Remember when George Teague pushed that guy when To spiked the ball on the star? Remember oh, that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we're, it's, you got you got to protect the shield, bro. Yeah, I do protect the shield. I gave you what I had. Which I, I was feeling. You look, dude. Look at the state which, of me. Bullshit. Look at the state of me. I mean, this is like that man has so much trauma. <laughs> look at look at this. Uh, just, uh, I mean, just looking like a bag of fucking smashed buttholes. I mean, what just kind of hair one. gel did you use? Brazzers? <laughs> Brazzers? Let's hear from Joseph. He says, Greetings, gents. On the morning of September 7th in Japan, my fiance and I reached the summit of Mount Fuji. Wow. This guy told me he was going to do this in MK gear, Luke. Knowing that it would be. At times raining and cold at times during our nighttime ascent, I needed something that could protect me from the elements. And what could do a better job than the MK bomber jacket? I wore it the entire way up from start to finish of the seven-hour climb and three-hour descent. I have to say the jacket did fantastic through it all. It's the same jacket that I proposed to my fiancé wearing it back in March. Now I know I don't have to regret the longest of – wait. Now I know I don't have the longest of resumes that these other donks do for Donk of the Year – I think that my average art namesake has the strongest case of now. This is only my second fan sub, so as Luke would candidly put it, my numbers are qualitative and not quantitative. Why does he have the flag of Imperial Japan? But I just climbed the tallest mountain in Japan while repping MK, so you other donks better step your games the hell up. Look at that. Because if all you've got is I dropped my kids off at school listening to your podcast, you're going down. In all seriousness, I would love every one of you in this washed and broken family. I love all of you. Here's to the soon-to-be three-time World MMA Award-winning podcast and every worker and fan that's part of the process. Luke, this guy has a general universal statement of love and he broadcasts to the world on top of Japan's tallest mountain that he loves him some MK. With its imperial flag. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a call. That's a take. Um, are was you, he reading The Rape of Nanking while he was doing it? I mean. Are you, are you referencing uh, Rose's comments about Whaley? Is this where you're going with this? What? Red Dead. Oh, my God, dude. We'll just stop talking. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. I mean, you're just saying words for no reason. Oh, here we go. So does that guy have a... <laughs> Dude, these are all about me. What the fuck? Uh, this is our final one. This is from Bruce. He says, hey, guys, couldn't help the hard turn that happened on Monday's MK. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, here's a visual aid. 
Thanks for all the great work and special thanks to BC for the awesome 40th birthday cameo he cut for me. Stay washed and wash gently. Cameo.com slash Brian Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Luke, what do you think of Bruce's meme here? I mean, it's mildly amusing. It's mildly amusing. But I've been on the Nick bandwagon for a long time, too. I mean, every time we go to Vegas, I've been out to his place and interviewed him. So it's not true that, that it's new. Remember that time you interviewed him and didn't ask me to come? That was great. Well, dude, an hour before, an hour before, I've got to go do stuff that doesn't include you. That's what you do. I have responsibilities said, to my company. I yeah, have, so then don't get mad at me. Don't get fucking mad at me. We had made a plan to go down there together to the extreme. Yeah, and then you were like, and then, Misha, and then you regaled me with t- stories about how you had editorial deadlines. Did you so see said, Misha or not? Huh? Did you see Misha? At the gym when I went? No, she was not there when I went. Respect the brand, you know? I certainly do. A legend in this game. She certainly Former colleague of yours. Yes, we did a couple of um, uh, shows uh, together, some radio shows together, yeah. Is Randy ever there, by the way? In all seriousness. Does he have, what kind of connection? Like. I know the the gym he started and his name's on it. Oh, Couture? Yeah, is he? Uh, So I've been to Extreme Couture probably half a dozen times. He's only been there once when I was there. So I don't quite know what his schedule is, but for me, it's been infrequent. I love him. I look at him as a hero. I don't know if you keep that same love for him. Hero's a strong word, but I certainly respect his career. We yeah. have the same taste in headdress, him and I. The, you know, the midlife crisis hat that I wear, the, the one. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. It looks yeah, a little yeah. Randy Cooter-esque, right? Yeah, but he's going to be in the Expendables 4 coming up. Are you Is in the he? Expendables 4? Yes. Do you think Ronda and Victor Ortiz will also get the call to come back? Or were they in the last one? They were in one of them. I don't remember. Victor Ortiz. I haven't fr- thought about Victor Ortiz since Mayweather. Did he sucker punch him? I don't know, but it kind of was. Remember when they that guy in the crowd threw pizza at Victor Ortiz after the Andre Berto rematch? The knockout? <laughs> that was rough, dude. That was rough. That was rough. He hit him in the face with some pizza while like, well, he's like half knocked out. But you know what? Calabonga, dude. Do you know who his trainer was? Uh, Do you know Joseph Janik, a.k.a. Coach Haas, the boxing trainer who has the mohawk? Yes, guy? yes. That dude went after that guy and was Did the he really? makers. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you, know, you know which one I saw the other day was when, which, which Durrell was it that punched Uskategi in the face? It was, uh, it was Andre Durrell's uncle, right? Yes, and it was in the corner. He's just sitting there. He just fucking steals on yeah, him, yeah. bare-fisted. Oh, yeah, but you know what? It was Kotegi. He never went down, though. He no, he took it. He never tapped. He took it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was good to see. He was probably on the, on the back then, though. You know what I'm saying? Probably. He got caught. I'm just saying. On the... Man, you got really upset about my Red Dead Rose comment. Just ridiculous. You're just saying words for no reason that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. All right, look, our staff would like us to wrap up because we have a lot more stuff to do. Yeah, we have stuff to do today. That's right. Stuff to film. So thank you to our fans. And I'm not dying today. There you go. And I don't have my live chat today, so there you go. Still a raging asshole. I mean, it's yes. the same thing. Yes. Really in the yes. end. Uh, thank you to the great staff here at Jersey City from Malka, Showtime, and, of course, Mikey Morms always always has our back, CBS Sports. Uh, Showtime.com, you can get 30 days. We got Bellator Saturday, Bellator 299, only on Showtime. Johnny Eblen, back with a bang. Um, anything else we have to report? Oh, great merch collaboration, if you're into that. Morningcombat.store. Yeah. Yep. Please get the average Joe collection. Luke, I finally got it in the mail, and um, I love it. I love it. I like the the Super Wash Brothers. Super Wash Dad's the best, okay? Awesome. I got to take a raging piss right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's going to, it's like. Just this. go, just do an Asperio Silva and just go on yourself. All right. Thank you for Luke Thomas. Um, my name is Brian Campbell. It's been great, like, doing this thing with you. You know, I hope we can keep doing this. It's been great. Oh, vote for us, right? World MMA Awards. Yeah, World we'll MMA Awards. Repeat. We're going for three of them. Going for three of them. Um, Do they have the graphic or no? They're going to punt? 
MMA programming. There it is. Well, we got to beat Ariel. We got to beat John Anik. It's got to beat Dana White. Not going to be. No, you know we have to beat ourselves off. For Luke Thomas, I'm Brian Campbell. Thank you for playing. Uh, big fans of all you out there, all right? So keep the faith. Let's keep fighting the good fight and protect yourself up here where it counts, okay? Uh, don't worry about the balls. You'll, you'll recover. Um, that's it. That's, I don't. He can't stop farting. I can't.